This whole country's just like my flock of sheep. We want to know what you intend to give away to the communists. He will bring destruction to our traditions. He looked in his heart and he thought in all humility how he'd like to try and change things. Rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It's, a, it's a groovy thing to do. I propose to demand from the House the immediate removal of the President of the United States. Make it mandatory, not voluntary. That'll poll well. Mandatory. Everybody who turns 18 or graduates high school gives two years of service to his or her country. And for that, your college education is paid for, period. The beauty of it is that everybody who's over the age of 18 or past the age of eligibility will be for it. Why not? And all of the others can't vote. Welcome to Decades Podcast. My name is Deb Kuykendall, and I just realized we didn't talk about introductions, so we're going to introduce ourselves. Um, <laughs> I'm Deb K- Jacob yeah. Kuykendall. <laughs> I'm Nicole Westry. I'm Keith the Bardwatch. Yeah, we have a guest. Yay! Hey, hello. Hey. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you nice for having me. Yeah, nice to Several meet you. Several hours all. ago. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to briefly describe what this podcast is. We watch two movies, one from a previous decade. Uh, we go up in in decades over time, so we are we're in the fifties now. I think this is our first movie from the fifties. Almost color. Uh, Nineteen fifty-seven. It could have been in color. Mm-hmm. Color was predates this movie. Next time. <laughs> um, so we watched a movie from nineteen fifty-seven, and then we watch uh, a current movie or something from the present decade as best we can. Uh, yeah. They should be thematically matched. And then we talk about them. And for this season, we're doing uh, movies with a political theme. Sure. And today we watched a movie from 1957, directed by Elia Kazan, written by Bud Schulberg. Did I say? I said 1957 mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. The movie is uh, called A Face in the Crowd. It was the first movie with Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith's first movie. He had been on Broadway. And the the other movie that we watched is um, The Ides of March. The Ides of March with George Clooney and Ryan Gosling. Jeez, names. I'm having a, a we, more we difficult we, we, we got you, we got you. I mean, it barely has George Clooney in it, but he's in it. Yeah, George Clooney, <laughs> Philip Seymour Wood. Hoffman. Paul, yeah. Paul Giamatti. A couple people from Westworld. A lot of great I know. I, re- I had like a little Westworld freak out moment. Oh, yeah, Jeffrey like, oh, right. In, in a oh, that's his name, role. right? We just kept calling him Bernard. <laughs> yeah, Bernard. Sweet Bernard. Uh, so typically we are going to synopsize the old movie first and then talk about it a little bit. And then we will synopsize the second movie, the uh, newer movie, and talk about that and then compare and contrast and whatnot. Not just typically, right now. <laughs> in fact, we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, so who wants to synopsize A Face in the Crowd? Sorry, touch my nose. Oh, well, 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 well. How could you That's not, not do even face fair? That's can, not even fair. I can do it. You so, have to do the old movie. There's I'll do no it. other way to do and it. We'll all jump in. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll um, fill in the, memory, the gap. So this, the, the movie A Face in the Crowd is based on a short story written by Bud Schulberg, who is See, also the man who wrote the script for this movie. <laughs> Um, it's the second movie, no, it's the first movie that Bud Schulberg and Elia Kazan did together. The other movie that they did together, and they were they were like, they were were good friends, uh, they did On the Waterfront. So Bud Schulberg also mm. wrote On the Waterfront, and Elia Kazan directed. Yeah. Um, A Face in the Crowd, God, I loved this movie. I really did. So I think it's the one I've liked the most that we've seen so far. No, I don't know. Do you like it better than really, Spotlight? I think I did. It's kind of my, uh, remember Alice 
Alice Sweet Alice from season one. Yeah. I was very excited well, about that movie. That movie was awesome. That's different. <laughs> They're very different movies, but I, I really enjoyed it from the moment it started. The movie starts with Patricia Neal. I can't. Oh, what's. Oh, Marsh. Marsha. He calls her Marshmallow. Um, <laughs> That's all I remember. She is like. A, she hosts a radio show called The Face in the Crowd. And she. Apparently, the, the premise of the show is that she just goes out and talks to people, you know, just the man on the street interview, basically. So the movie starts with her going to the county jail or the drink tank or whatever <laughs> and just interviewing yeah. random uh people <laughs> random who, sweaty gentlemen yes random s- sweaty gentlemen accompanied by he wasn't the sheriff he wasn't he the, was was the, the sheriff, sheriff. Yep. okay so it was big jeff, what was his name jeff jeff bass. Uh, jeff bass jeff bass or jeff bass i think, I think bass. it's bass it was it had an e uh so big jeff bass who was portrayed by a man named big jeff bass <laughs> who was apparently a country singer at the time anyway he plays the sheriff sheriff big jeff bass yeah and he uh accompanies her into the lockup and uh she just try she tries to interview various people all of them are like i don't have anything to say i'm a drunk guy in a drunk tank (laughs) until they find uh this man whose last name is Rhodes, who is asleep he has a guitar and he's asleep and somebody kicks him and he looks very angry like he's gonna punch that guy and tries to roll over and go back to sleep they finally get him to wake up uh she makes a deal that he can get out the next day out of jail yeah, if you know. he per, you know if he cooperates and uh, pl- and sings a song. Mm-hmm. So he pulls out his guitar and instead of singing a song, yeah. he kind of tells <laughs> stories and sings snippets of songs mm-hmm. and starts to charm everyone. I mean, it was I thought it was charming. Mm. I think it was right. probably the only part in the movie where he was genuinely whatever it was that he was supposed was. to be <laughs> right yeah uh, he was just randomly telling stories for low reward get out of jail <laughs> yeah he was there's a reason for him to do it and i didn't remember that andy griffith could sing but he was a really good singer too mm-hmm. could he not d- play the guitar not a chance <laughs> so there were lots of scenes of him strumming a guitar where you only see his hand moving but you don't see the guitar he played the guitar like kermit the frog and yes. tap dance <laughs> <laughs> so um uh she makes a recording they play it on the radio it's very popular and i don't know the the guy who runs the studio no it's she, her dad yeah yeah but she also she like encourages him to hire oh also she gives him the name lonesome in the jail so mm-hmm. from then on he's known as lonesome Rhodes. she encourages her dad to put him on the air they give him they convince him he doesn't want a job because that's too much like work mm-hmm. um, but they convince him to try it out uh, he gets very popular eventually I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of try to go fast with this but because it's <laughs> yeah. a pretty simple story really yeah he becomes very popular there popular enough that he at one point says the sheriff stinks he shouldn't even be dog catcher everybody take your dogs to his house and they all do it <laughs> in a horrible scene where people were throwing dogs over a fence and they all seem to be basically the same breed of dog which i didn't understand <laughs> but there were like a thousand dogs yeah i think um, it's important to note that she seems pretty smit with him from the very beginning which yeah, is you, very weird she seems charmed from time to time even when he's being yeah, you know, like he's sexually harassing her and she's like uh, all right all right <laughs> well i mean she we made this comment earlier about she is it's not new to her it seems like she has lived a life where she's had some interactions with men in the past so right. it's nothing brand new and i think she was smitten with kind of his like small town vibe i don't know maybe 
I don't know. I, there's or, there's I, there's I couldn't there. figure out why she liked him, but she did. <laughs> he was small town, charming. I don't know. Is Andy Griffith handsome? Not I don't at the find beginning him handsome, but I'm just curious. Yeah, if but I don't, like... you know who I also don't find handsome? Ryan Gosling. I don't think he's handsome. Ooh. Well, everybody's wrong about something. <laughs> Would you say Andy Griffith and Ryan Gosling are similar levels of handsome? <laughs> I think they both have features that are out of the ordinary, which could appeal to some and not appeal to others. Okay. Uh, lots of people loved Andy Griffith. We know that. Yeah. He was very popular for a very long time. But I don't think it was because he was handsome. I don't think it was like, he's a handsome guy and I swoon for him. I was just trying to figure out that a sex appeal that he's got in this movie. He did have sex appeal in this movie, I think. It was implied. I mean, the ladies were throwing themselves <laughs> at him uh, all over the place. I think when an actor does a good job in portraying the role, that they're, <laughs> that's, that's attractive. Yeah, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the charisma. It's the charisma yeah. and, and more more of like the charming factor than actual physical attractiveness. And also just the unresistible lure of being famous. And he was very famous by the time. Then later yeah. rich. Yeah. The guy who can, who can sing a line of a song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, and also all of his stories had the message that the, you know, the little guy. Right. Could resonate. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. In fact, one of the, one of the first radio spots that, you know, he started getting letters for was him identifying with housewives by saying, you know, your husband doesn't appreciate all the work that you do. Mm -hmm. And so they all started sending in letters Mm -hmm. about how great it was that he could really understand what it was to be a housewife. And and they did make a point of all of the, the vast majority of his fans were women. Yeah. You saw that in his audiences, white oh, women. We should almost, clarify. yeah, almost across the board throughout the whole movie. Um, I'm going to, I think I'll try to do this too. So, this movie had more black people in it than most of the movies we watch, mm-hmm. which sure. was very noticeable. And they also like had lines. No, yeah. there were four, four with lines. Oh, four. <laughs> yeah. The a... first one was in the jail, actually. Yes. Yeah, he said, I don't watching, want to do it. <laughs> he was watching and somebody made a rough comment to him and he said, no, thanks, and turned and walked away. I think he said almost something like, I'm not a minstrel. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, sheriff asked him, to like, said, do you do something? And he said, no, I will not. Yeah. That's right. We're right. moving through in the decades. No, <laughs> yeah. no there's a line. Uh, it's not going to change. The decades no, will not won't make any difference. <laughs> now we'll move to the Ides of March. Oops. That's <laughs> exactly the same. Yes. Um, uh, so he gets more and more popular. Uh, he gets a phone call from New York, I want to say. Somebody in New York. No, no Memphis. Gets, yeah. He gets Memphis. a from a bigger city, yeah. basically. And they offer him $500, mm-hmm. and he convinces them. He makes them a deal. He says, I'll work for you for free for two weeks. And if we don't get along, I'll go wherever I want. You go wherever you want. If we do get along, you'll pay me $1,000 a week. And they take that deal. And bring Marsha with me. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. And, he has to, and they have to pay for Marsha as well because he needs her. Um, so then he does that show for a while. And then he, do, and then he gets an agent. There's this uh, very <laughs> aggressive <laughs> salesman who, uh, who weasels his way into his life and mm-hmm. becomes his agent and... Uh, they end up going to New York. Is that where he started making seventeen hundred dollars a week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he has a mattress advertiser that he just burns that. <laughs> yes, he burns up his mattress. <laughs> he bur- they mattresses are literally burned. Uh, he <laughs> does a he does a spiel that is not very favorable to the mattress, mm-hmm. and then the mattress company drops him, and people start burning mattresses. Yay. <laughs> but it, it really endears him to the audience because he's sort of sticking to the, like, I only tell the truth. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, on behalf of the plain spoke people. I, won't can't, I can't be bought by yeah. corporate America. Right. Which, for whatever yeah. reason, right in this, right at this moment reminds me of all the parachute <laughs> sheets ads. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, moving on. 
so he Go shoot sheets if we're doing well get at us yeah. <laughs> so he uh he ends up in new york with a television show mm-hmm. and cracker he, barrel yes no that's no, not that's, the that later. One. Oh, that's later yeah that's later that's the one that he designs himself mm. uh it's a television show he gets more and more popular i think it, it is at that point they start asking him to he has the idea Vita Jax. Vita Jax. Oh, sort yeah. of there was a great great advertisement with three women in sequined bathing suits singing mm-hmm. about Vitajex. Very, uh, I'm going to say Jurassic Park yeah, sure. <laughs> style, which was stolen from that style. Um, so he starts selling products. And he's he's involved now in the yeah. sales process. He, he ends up being, I think it's like almost a sponsorship, right? Yeah. 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 And I think mm-hmm. they form a, like a company too. At that, at that point, mm-hmm. they form a corporation or whatever yeah. that's the Lonesome Roads Corporation. Yeah, they're branding him, yeah. With mm-hmm. Marsha and... Uh, what's the, the name of his sales guy? guy? No, no he's the other. Oh, uh, De Palma? Yes, De Palma, De Palma that's nice. right. Uh, played by An- Anthony Franciosa, who was a big <laughs> star Another in the Another white guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, he continues to build his popularity. Eventually, people start thinking, well, maybe he can help out this senator, this political figure who is very dull the general the general they have a they go to a theater they watch a little movie about the with the general giving a speech and it's very boring the general is the guy who is in charge of the broadcasting in new york the senator is a different person all right so Mm -hmm. they watch senator fuller they watch senator fuller give a speech beanie falls asleep in the back and lonesome Rhodes tells the senator that you need to be more folksy, basically. Yeah. Do you have a dog? He says, I have a Siamese cat. Lonesome Rhodes tells him, well, people like dogs. So get a dog and come on screen. Hold that dog. I mean, and people love be. cats nowadays. Well, he makes a great reference to politicians who have done well with dogs. Yeah. yeah. One of which being Richard Dick Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. Doing great as of 1957. <laughs> well, and I think actually even the fact that it was a Siamese cat is, yeah. is like nodding to how highbrow he is. It's very yes. elitist. 100%. And very, very elitist. It's like not even just a house cat. He mentioned Siamese cat, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how not in touch he is with the general Yuck. electorate. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. That's some good writing. <laughs> let's see what happens after that. Uh, then, let's see. Oh, well, he, he so then the the oh. senator agrees to come on the sh- well. Oh. No, by then he has Cracker Barrel. Yeah, that's when he starts. Yeah. That's cracker when he barrel. does Cracker Barrel, mm-hmm. right? He's making and, a million dollars a year or whatever like, it is. Did we did we gloss right over the whole baton? Yeah, thing we, and we Marshall totally love story. That's after Vita Jax. I know, but I think it's before that's, Cracker yeah. Barrel. It is yeah, before probably. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> so it's, there's an important scene where he goes to Marsha and he says, I want to marry you. Marsha, it's hard to describe their relationship because she's It's very says, 1957. She, <laughs> she puts up with a lot, but... But it's not. It but she doesn't like it. <laughs> it mostly doesn't seem romantic except for a few times. But except they're clearly intimate. Yeah. 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 And also he's got women. Yeah, coming in and out. It's like maybe emotional support. I don't know. Maybe he, she grounds Well, and there was also the one scene where the the scene after he burns down the fact the mattress. the mattress ad and he's going to leave and she totally uses her sexuality to keep him there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cuz he's like I'm just going to go be a drunk again. Right, and she's right. like Isn't no, that don't. The first time he was really like emotionally manipulative and told her that he was going to kill himself if she didn't come over? No, right. that was a different scene. Oh. I mean, the okay. whole thing is the <laughs> whole thing is emotional. Because yeah. she also kind of works for him, so he's like, well, I'm just going to quit. 
Yeah. See ya. And she's like, no, don't. Right. So that's the first time he actually, that's the first time they're physically intimate with each other is when he's about to leave. It's probably worth mentioning that early on at his first job, after he quits and he gets that job at New York, that he basically says, so long, stink town. Everybody sucks here. And she gives him a look and he's like, no, I'm just kidding. You should know better than to. <laughs> no, take no, no, no. They're all great. Seriously. It's all cool. <laughs> Which is, I guess. Which comes around later. Yeah, a little foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Um, uh, so he, at one point, he comes to her and he says, I really need you. I want you to marry me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go off to. Well, he's already married. He can't no. marry. Oh, you're right. Oh, right. But, but we, don't know, we don't know that yet. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Oh, right, we don't. We find but out she's kind of like, eh, I don't she's, know, yeah, maybe, she sort maybe of tentatively not. tentatively accepts. You seem like a scumball, but <laughs> I also like you. Why does she say no? I can't remember. I don't think she did. She's, because No, I think she's his ready wife, to. Yeah, his wife showed up because they got engaged. And she was like, oh, no, no. We're just friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's, like that's they the were definitely because I don't, I don't, re- I don't remember that proposal scene being terribly romantic. It was, no, no. It's not. <laughs> so I was just like, <laughs> You're right. wait, did they? Was there a yes somewhere in there that no, I missed? No, she said I need to think about it. I think. Yeah, so that's why I thought maybe it was one of those things where she wasn't sure if this was the right move or getting like support that, from the audience, but right. <laughs> or, or, that, or that you know, or that she, maybe like for a moment I thought maybe it wasn't like romantic. Maybe she just had interest in him insofar as. He was her her project. Uh, he, she seems pretty emotionally attached. I think, I think she's like, skeptical. Like, like, oh, yeah. atta- atta- attached, like he is her cash cow, right? Like someone that she wants to groom, someone that she wants to. And at the end, we, I mean, obviously, you know, we know that she falls in love and all that. But it, it, it kind of that is their baseline foundation. She I makes think, that very clear when she says, you know, that I want to be an equal partner. I think she says that to him after she gets angry with right, him. Right. Right. I think you know, not to jump ahead to the next movie, but I think she's the very. Um, Ryan Gosling sort of parallel where she believes in him. She thinks that he is this guy that he's portraying himself to be. Right. And she likes that. She likes that he has sort of ideals and principles yep. and speaks for the little guy. She's, I think she knows better because he's a womanizer and she mm-hmm. recognizes that she shouldn't fall for him, but she can't help but believe him when he says, you know, I, I'm just scared to like live right. without you and you are who I really want. And these women are just here because I'm lonesome mm-hmm. and, you know, I wouldn't need them if you were. My life, yeah. I mean, this movie, I think, leaves it very ambiguous how she feels about him all the way up till the end. Yeah. Like, there def- he definitely does some really bad stuff to her, but she still clearly mm-hmm. likes him, and the movie does not ever have her say exactly where she's coming in on that. There is a point where she says that she is trying to make him... She. She, so she's like, gonna fix him it's like her job is to make him a better person right, right like trying. a project so that's why i'm saying maybe it's more the attachment to the fact that he's a project and that it's her like mission to work on this project <laughs> and not necessarily as much sort of romantic and maybe that's what it developed mm-hmm. to later on but initially i think that whole like moon-faced uh, mm-hmm. obsession almost that she had with him was more Along the lines of this is a project for me. Yeah, I, I think, think she was also. I think um, to your point that she's a true believer. Mm-hmm. I think she believes that he has potential. This is what he. Could but be. also that she she likes the fact that he just says whatever. Yeah. That yeah. there's no filter, which Man. is it makes it's hard for me to say because it's there's parallels yeah. to so plain present day. This movie yeah. has a lot shooter. more to dig into than Ides of March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and we haven't. Oh, also. Jacob, you just referred to the audience, so you should probably 
you Hi, should Sean. probably explain that there's <laughs> a fifth person in the room. It's so exciting. <laughs> and he, if he's referred to again, then they'll know who you're talking about. Hello. You can say hi if you want. <laughs> hi, everybody. <laughs> okay. okay, so where were we? Um, oh, we didn't mention the baton twirler. So <clears throat> I think somewhere between New York and Cracker Barrel, uh, yes. his two TV shows. Uh, he, oh, it's... it's um, in response to proposing marriage to Marsha, mm-hmm. he goes off to, I can't remember the name of the town. Juarez? It's Pickett. No, he it's eventually Pickett, goes Pickett, to Pickett? Arkansas. Okay. Yeah. But first, mm-hmm. first his ex-wife shows up and tries oh, to right. blackmail him, and she talks to Marsha and says, you know, basically is like, I've been there. He's sweet talking to you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah this, this is what he's like. Whatever, yeah, if you want to be this, I get it, like I was at too, and just tell him, you know, that if he doesn't give me three grand a month, then... I won't divorce him, and right. he will have so, more money he owes me. At yeah. this point, um, I'm going to mention that this is based on a short story, which I read. Okay. So in the sh- that actually happens in the short story. The beginning of the story is a little bit different. Uh, it's actually he goes to the radio station, and he sort of pitches, oh. I want to be on the radio. That's ve- that's so yeah. different. I think yeah. that like would have changed the entire premise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of, the st- of the movie. Uh, and then his wife does show up and basically says... Uh, and he, when Marsha goes to Lonesome Roads and says, hey, your wife showed up, he says, well, we got a divorce in Iowa. in Mexico. Oh, did he say that? Yeah, yeah. he says, Mexico. all right, I'm going to go back down there. I got an attorney, and yeah. they're going to clear it all up. No problem. In 24 hours, no less. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So Speedy in divorce. the book, I can't remember if it was Juarez, but he basically says, we got a divorce, but then the judge was arrested uh, for fraud yeah. right <laughs> so it was invalid oh, so they okay yeah. i must Same have thing. i yeah. must have looked away from the screen because <laughs> yep. i missed all of that but that's exactly what happens in the book um so then they do get a divorce he because he has proposed to Marsha, he then goes to Pickett and finds a baton twirler and marries her because otherwise he'd have to marry Marsha. basically 17 year old yes baton twirler. played by lee remick it was her first movie um as I mentioned to Jacob while we were watching it, she is the woman who plays the wife of the senator in the movie The Omen. Which we watched in our first season. We did? Yeah, we watched I The Omen. I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, I know I've, I've seen The Omen. And but... it was compared to Rosemary's Baby, I believe. No, nope, that doesn't make any sense because they're both old movies. <laughs> I don't know. In, in Bob, Jacob's maybe other the It was something. <laughs> we right. watched The Omen. I watched it with you. All right. So <laughs> we watched The Omen, Gregory Peck, and Lee cool. Remick. Lee Remick was a pretty big star uh, for a period of time. The movie doesn't make it very clear, but my understanding is that he takes the baton twirler to Juarez. Yes. And I assume he actually was correct about the attorney thing because he comes back and they're married and the yeah. ex-wife never appears again. So, like... I guess yeah. that was true, and he did get a divorce, and now he has a new wife. I really don't understand this baton twirler situation. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand why he married her. Because he she her. was young and pretty, and he's a douchebag. Well, also, I, I mean, don't know. Like that, it just wasn't clear to me because it like less than less than twelve hours prior to that, he promised uh, Marsha mm-hmm. that he was going to go to work. Like, how can how can he? swap you I know. think that's just his personality I mean, he, he says whatever it. he needs to to the person in the moment I also I think he's yeah, afraid he of Marsha I think she really yeah. does have a hold over him and she really can and she does control she ruins him. his career by the yeah. end I mean he, so so he fears he fears her from sort of a professional perspective because she's a strong person a str- a I think he woman. knows yeah that he can't manipulate her in the way Although that he, he does the rest of, except yeah. he is he, he, he does. Totally yeah. does. Yeah. I mean it's worth pointing out that his ex-wife 
is also Seems a strong, strong person yeah. and he has fled from her <laughs> and she is trying to manipulate him up till mm. his divorce. So the, the baton twirler is a safe choice. Right. She's yeah. a 17 year old. Completely manipulable. Yep. She's uh, enamored with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's a total fan. And how and how he didn't expect outrage from Marsha is beyond me. Like, how did he not know that this was just well, going to blow he, up in his he face? He tried to gaslight her, and he was like, "Really, this is your fault? Yeah, you did. You're too strong. <laughs> oh, I missed and that. And yeah. I was afraid to marry you. And she was like, "Before you, you were telling me, <laughs> yeah, before she was like, before you told me you were afraid not to marry me." And he's like, "Well, I meant that then. Like, I mean this now. I, <laughs> I can always, both be true. Yeah, I mean both things. And yeah, you always make me feel like the smallest person in the room when mm-hmm. you criticize mm-hmm. me and." Yeah. It was not great. No, no not the best. And but also great in a sense. <laughs> Andy Griffith was great. He oh, sold yeah. it. He's really good in it. I was yeah. also really surprised that the show would have let him marry someone because I yeah. feel like as soon as the star gets married, like the sex appeal goes down and right. like ratings go down. So I'm really, I thought that would be a point of contention in the show and it didn't happen. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that as well. But I think the the girls did seem sad. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, and we compared him a lot to Elvis in the movie just because of his like magnetism and his sort of charm. And then also he marries an underage girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that ruined Elvis's career. So I don't know. Maybe it was possible in the time for women to sort of still fawn all over him the 50s yeah in the time <laughs> <laughs> it's almost the 60s man it was 1957 <laughs> good things things have changed yeah. uh so i guess we're getting towards his downfall because we pretty much explained everything else did we miss anything there is one thing we're missing uh marcia's friend the oh, writer the writer oh, well, i was also gonna say that after he gets married to the baton twirler marcia gets real angry mm-hmm. and demands that she be an equal partner mm-hmm. as opposed to just sort of getting some money on the payroll and to which he agrees yeah he reluctantly he really can't do without her well, yeah. Was, yeah i think he also actually maybe does care about her yeah and he relies on her i mean they clearly cannot do the job when she's not there yeah, yeah she must be like some kind of manager type role. She, i think she was the producer maybe the yeah because she was like integral to the actual mm-hmm. day-to-day production of the right. show yeah no, no one can function without her. <laughs> which is funny because it up to this point it seems like he just makes it up as he goes along well and that felt very um I guess I should say progressive, that she was allowed to sort of be in charge and be relied upon that much. Mm -hmm. To the extent that when, at a later part, almost towards the end of the movie, when she gets angry enough to leave and not show up to produce the show, nobody knows what to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of in Mad Men season two that uh, Karen and I are watching with uh, Mm -hmm. Dickie Bennett, who's this like rotten uh, comedian character and uh, Don Draper gets involved with his wife. But she's Ooh. basically like, yeah, I'm in charge. I just tell him what to do. He he is a he can't do any of this without me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminded me of that same di- in some ways that same dynamic where it's just like, yeah, he's the talent, but he actually can't function in any meaningful way without mm-hmm. somebody he trusts to listen to. So one of the things I wrote down as a note, um, I was reading, I was re- I was reading a chapter in the book Real Politic, which is a movie about politics mm-hmm. in. Nope, it's not a movie. <laughs> it's a book about movies. <laughs> I assume. Uh, in the 50s and 60s about politics. Um, and there's a chapter about a face in the crowd, which is mostly focused on fascism, actually. Oh, sure. Um, but there's a quote from Elia Kazan saying that part one of the themes of this movie is women as conscience. Hmm. So basically, she's her Jiminy... Okay. She's Jiminy his Jiminy Cricket. Cricket. Okay. All right. Okay. And that's one of the themes of this movie. Sure. Um, I mean, we, okay. we kind of alluded to that, right? Like, we couldn't yeah. figure out what her role was in his mm-hmm. in his whole brand but for a long time. Sense. And that Why totally she, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Puts up with 
What she puts up with. Yeah. Because she's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. actually a part of him. Yeah. She's a cricket on his well, shoulder. Well, and she, she sort of plays the role that way. She feels very responsible for his success and also for the chaos she creates, you know, from his success. Mm. She really internalizes it. So. Yeah. So, she's Dr. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, yeah, we talked about that, too, because there's a scene where she where he basically says, you, you created me. me. And she <laughs> says, I know I did. Come on. <laughs> I think that was the first time he threatened to kill himself. Yeah. One of the other things uh, that the article I was reading, or the chapter I was reading was about, referenced was the idea of a golem, hmm. which is created to protect mm-hmm. uh, the people who are under attack, but then eventually it grows too powerful mm-hmm. and egotistical and starts to turn on the people that created it. Is that the story of the golem? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's essentially the story. Um, but And that was kind of what happened. That was that was definitely yeah. thematic. Yeah, I mean, he... he begins his career speaking for the little guy and sort of, you know, sticking it to the elitist cat owner, mattress owner <laughs> companies that, you know, are Those out of Siamese cat owning yeah. elitists. Um, and then at the end, he sort of sneakily becomes sort of manipulative yeah. and, you know, lets them bash entitlement programs like Social Security and, yeah. like, the things that they said <laughs> derogatorily about you know, entitlement programs are still to this day the exact same rhetoric that is mm-hmm. used. And it was striking to see how many of these things are not new and are part of the political playbook for generations. Sure. All right. So let's, we're sort of discussing the movie at this point. <laughs> so let's hurry to the end. Yeah. Uh, his downfall, which happens very rapidly. I will add one thing. Marsha has a friend, a writer on the payroll. Yeah. <laughs> Played by, by Walter Play Matthew. Yeah. He becomes suddenly very important right at the end. <laughs> well, we always yeah. knew he carried a torch for her. Yes. Yeah. That was the only thing they made obvious earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he comes on, I think, in New York. Is sure. that right? Yeah. So there's a whole writer's room. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. They wander into the writer's room. We didn't even know there were writers for the show before that happened. Well, he's they, not winging they, it anymore, right? That's all structured. Yeah. No, but they yeah. hate him because he sort of tears Goes up the script. Goes off script, so. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the writer has a thing for her. She, what is the thing that breaks her? I think it's seeing how corrupt the politician is that he's pushing and his idea that he can become part of the political cabinet and sort of influence the world at that point. Yeah. So it's, it's when a... the, it's when the gov- uh, senator, mm-hmm. yeah, the senator comes on his show and uh, does the whole pitch for, for getting rid of Social Security. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and right. for creating like the fighters for Fuller. Yes. Oh, that's wow. right. He wanted to be like, I called it the Minister of Propaganda. But what was the actual title? Oh, Fighter, yeah. Fighters for Fuller. That was like the tagline. Oh, right. No, no, yeah. he he the Minister the, like, of Public mi- Opinion? No, no, no. The oh. morale. Public morale. Yes. 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 Morale. Secretary of Public Morale. Yeah. So the senator is uh, making a spot for him on his cabinet. Yep. If he is elected president, mm-hmm. the Minister of Morale. So basically, if there's any kind of crisis, then Lonesome Rhodes is going to come on the radio and tell people what to do. And then they're just going to do it. And how to feel. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so Marsha doesn't feel particularly comfortable with that. No, it's <laughs> terrifying. Um, so she she runs off initially. They don't know what to do. He he decides to just wing it for an episode because she's not there. Right. Um, which he's doing. He's very angry the whole time. He's mm-hmm. mad because she left, and now he... He's yeah. like neurotic women are just ruining it. We, we, we missed a step where he comes to her house, right, in the middle of the night. Yes, and, that's when she runs off. Yeah, but why does he come to her house? Um, oh, oh, he oh, because he found out that yeah. his wife was cheating, cheating on him, him. right, <laughs> with De Palma. And that's also so much happens in this movie. It's crazy. It's like it was four around. hours long. Well, and that's yeah. when De Palma tells him, like, you can't tell me what to do. I actually own fifty-one percent of this company, right? Right. Because of your wife. Yep. Like, yep. <laughs> yep. 
Okay. Okay, yes. so now she, she runs so, away, and then the next day she's not there, and, there, and she and goes off And the scene script. in which she runs away is somewhat confusing, because she, <laughs> so, she's confused. Yeah. She runs out, a taxi pulls up, she runs around the front of the taxi, and then just runs down the street. <laughs> in it's the like, rain. Yes, yes for, in the rain. In the days. Oh, boy. Uh, and then she disappears. Then he is, he's winging his show. Uh, she eventually does show up again in some kind of break where they're doing advertisements. He comes and yells at her that he needs to talk to her after the show, but he has to... Before he can talk to her, he has to go to some kind of banquet. It's a banquet mm-hmm. in his house for, for uh, in honor of the secretary. Mm-hmm. Or the senator. The senator, the secretary. yeah. It's like yeah. a fundraiser. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, oh, it's the end of the show, and they're rolling the credits. And I guess the way that they roll the credits in this is just to have the camera on him. It's while like Saturday he's, Night Live. It's a, yeah, yeah he's just hanging out with his <laughs> other people on the set. We didn't really describe the Cracker Barrel. His whole concept for that was just to have a bunch of hillbillies around him, and he just talks. Yeah. Um, so and they nod in agreement. Yeah. So he looks like a man of the people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the you know he's talking to the hillbilly actors on the Cracker Barrel show, but he no Mike, and the credits are rolling. But he's in the in real life with he's uh, he's dissing his audience basically, he's saying how dumb they are yeah. and how uh, he can manipulate them so right, easily, how gullible they yeah. are. Yeah. Uh, so she. Takes control of the switchboard and flips on his mic, and everybody hears live how he actually feels about his audience. And they start calling in and saying, <laughs> yes. I hate him, and he sucks. And they immediately <laughs> turn on him. This and was so, one of my favorite scenes um, because, you know, they show him leaving the show. He has no idea this has happened. Mm-hmm. And he's on the top floor of the offices, and he takes the elevator down, and it's slowly going down through the lights of each floor as he's hitting them, and they cut to more people complaining and calling in, yeah. and it's just sort of this metaphor of his career going all the way to the ground floor <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, and actually, now that I think about it, I think he starts at the floor where his rating was. Mm-hmm. I think he starts exactly. at, like, at the top. He at starts 53, at 53, yeah. 53 yeah. and his rating was like 53 million or something yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and then it goes all the way to zero, mm-hmm. so I, I it was remember great. picking yeah, up on that, too. I noticed that there was a zero at the floor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yokels are calling, but also, like, the company heads are calling. Yeah. Like, Nobody wants to be associated with him. All the yeah. sponsors want to disassociate so that they don't go down with his popularity. It's great. So nobody shows up for the banquet. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's his banquet table. Nobody's sitting at the banquet table, but it is surrounded by waiters. Who All about one are black. Yes. And mm-hmm. the white guy had the telephone. What did that? Why did he have a telephone? All right, just, so just rich people get telephones on platters. <laughs> That's what it's like when you're rich, right? Yeah, so he's surrounded by black <coughs> waiters, uh, but nobody shows up. He is this the point at which he hugs the one waiter and says, "You must love me." Yes. No, he mm-hmm. calls Marsha, so he's on the phone with Marsha, and then he runs around saying, "We're gonna turn shit around. We're gonna make them love us." <laughs> blah blah blah, and he hugs. But them. he also turns on them. He's real unstable at this moment. Yeah. yeah. Marsha has a moment with Walter Matthau where he basically tells her, you have to tell him that you were the one who ruined his career, mm-hmm. otherwise he'll just come back to you. Right, and, and he'll keep supporting him. Or he'll blame other time. people, Yeah, and it's not their fault. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he fired. thinks that you know it was the control guy mm-hmm. out to get him who turned on the mic. But this is the second time he tries to manipulate her and says, if you don't come over, I'll kill myself. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm going to jump, and she finally is like, fine, jump. Like, yeah. get out of my life yeah. and jump. Uh, they go, Walter Matthau and Marsha go, and she tells him. Yep. And that was a weird scene for me, too. I didn't know why it was so important to go in person. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I think, I think that's, that's fine. I think that Walter Matthau's character's point to making her do it in person was 
if you don't tell him face to face then you're always attached to him you won't be able to live with yourself yeah, yeah. you'll 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 feel bad you'll come back you'll go back to the cycle that you keep having where he uses you and you stand for it and you feel bad for his career and you know right. if you tell him in person he probably won't forgive you either and you won't have a choice but to leave yeah at mm-hmm. least then the the cycle will be broken yeah okay she goes and confronts him. He's having a kind of psychotic break yeah. where Beanie is playing laugh tracks and clapping oh, yes. at him, in this giving movie, a rant. He has created, he has invented the laugh track machine. Oh, yeah, we did talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, she confronts him and says, I did it. And he yells at her, and then she leaves with Walter Matthau. She leaves with Walter Matthau, and we see a Coke sign blinking for <laughs> yeah, some reason. Yeah, that's very important to someone. That was weird. So I read, a, you know, I read, like, the New York Times from the time. I read the New York Times review of this movie. I mm-hmm. read the Variety review of this movie from that time period. I read various other articles about this movie. People are writing articles about this movie right now, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons. There was one, sure. you know, in... Uh, one was, you know, from February of this year. Somebody's writing about this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they all mention the Coke sign at the end as if it's a symbol that this isn't, that this, that this type of... This indoors. <laughs> yeah, that there's just going to be another guy. And we already know that because yeah. uh, De Palma <laughs> has got a guy in the wings that he's going to bring yep. on. Right. Yeah, they they show the new junior the cracker barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. diet yeah, cracker barrel. Why did know. they pick on Coca Cola? I mean, it was just a sign in the street, wasn't it? I don't know. Was Coca Cola was that was Coca Cola in the headlines in in the fifties? I don't know. Maybe I mean, they've done bad stuff. Coca Cola's really been around sailing at that since time. like yeah. the early nineteen hundreds. So. Right. So maybe. maybe they weren't some hot water, and and Kazan thought, all right, let's let's uh. It's like the end of Departed, where the rat runs across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> So the way that the short story ends is a little less dramatic. Well, maybe not. He uh, calls Marsha. He says, uh, he sort of tries to, um, they, in the, in this short story, they haven't been intimate with each other at any Mm. point. She is just sort of, there's, there are a lot of similarities with the character in the movie, Mm -hmm. but there's not the same sort of, um, she's a little more distant from him in the short story but the way that it ends is he basically tries to force himself on her while very drunk and he falls down a flight of stairs and dies yeah. <laughs> oh, i really felt like Whoa. he was gonna die in this movie so i thought he was i thought we were gonna see him like, like fall or like, like, yeah, kill himself yeah. or she was gonna kill him like something dark was gonna mm-hmm. happen and it, I, don't know. No. I, I thought she was honestly i thought she was gonna kill him the night he came to her hotel and mm-hmm. when he she was cradling him i was like all right, yeah. so I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for that knife to come out. Yeah. Well, yeah. she sort of did, but she yeah. did it a little bit later. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was that was when I was like, all right, it's gonna get real right now. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's it. That's, that's the, the movie. That's a face in the crowd. So uh, one of the things I I think from the stuff that I read that I want to bring up is mm-hmm. that um, Andy Griffith, after he made this movie, he and his wife discussed it and agreed he would not be making a movie like this again. Yeah, he's uh, real no. unlikable. Well, and it was it was because so Elia Kazan is one of the founding members of the Actor Studio. Okay. Um, so you probably have heard of the show Inside the Actor mm-hmm. Studio. Sure. The Actor Studio was established in I want to say the oh it was in the forties by Elia Kazan and some other people whose names I can't remember right now. Um, and right now it is leader isn't the right word, but it's Harvey Keitel. Uh, woman whose name I can't remember and that other person. Oh, Al Pacino. Uh, the woman. Uh, what's her name? 
Don't know. Name a movie. Name a movie. Any um, movie. <laughs> Meryl Streep. I'm trying. Uh, you know Judy that movie Dench. that your dad loves with the. It's got. Amy's Big Adventure. Oh, no. I can't remember any names. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum's in it and Peter. Jurassic Park. The Fly. Weller. Gina Davis. The, the... She paid Penny Pretty. I've, I couldn't even begin to guess what movie my dad likes that Across, has a woman in it. No. Oh, shoot. But you. Albert, no. Nope. Jeff Goldblum, Peter Weller. <laughs> Uh, don't, don't know. No. And they wear, they wear outfits. Oh, uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Buckaroo Banzai, yes. <laughs> and so, what is that woman's name? I don't who know. Who plays Penny Pretty? Well, anyway, she's the third person who is the head of the actor studio right now. In you know Jeff Goldblum's not a major character in that movie, right? <laughs> he is to me. <laughs> uh, All right. So, anyway, okay. the actor studio. Moving on. Established John in 1940. Um, it was sort of like a redux of a previous a theater group called the theater group or something like that okay the thing that they do is to sort of promote the method acting method acting as a type as a style of you know teaching method acting promoting method method acting mm-hmm. um and we saw a lot of method acting in that movie oh. all that all of the when you see an actor some other method actors al pacino uh, or james almost you know william shatner when he's at his Shatneriest in a like Star Trek. Making a face. Um, Come on. Well, he's a method actor. Um, some other method. Daniel Day Lewis is a method actor. Harvey okay, Keitel well, is a method actor. Let's compare those two next to each other. William Shatner, Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know. Equally good. All right, guys, simmer down. Simmer down. <laughs> yeah, we're having a, it's fight a family now. show. More family. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> anyway, so. Ilya Kazan was known for drawing out great performances from the actors in his movies. So some of oh, his yeah. other movies, like On the Waterfront, we've got Marlon Brando, who was a method actor. Um, James Dean, famous method actor. Who's that actress, Nicole? Alan Burstyn. Yes! Oh. <laughs> but now I think I might have that wrong also. <laughs> she may not be the third person in that trio. But she wasn't Buck Rubanzai? But she wasn't Buck No, no, Rubanzai. I got that from the actor's studio. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. I got it right. I thought you were right. All the loose ends are tied up. Good. Yeah, so um, it was a very unpleasant uh, experience for Andy Griffith to be in this movie and very unlike... He was not like himself mm-hmm. while he was in this movie. So basically, he busted up his own apartment. He broke their closet doors. Uh, there were scenes where he said, bring me some chairs, and he would break some chairs before yeah. he went in to do the scene. Wait, there I were mean... no chair-breaking scenes? No, no, no. no. He was, he was this really was like... in preparation for doing a scene. Oh, to get all hyped up yeah. And, yeah. and do that maniacal laugh? Yeah. Yes. Oh, IMDb, laugh. <laughs> which I don't know if this can be trusted, said that for that final scene, since he did not like to be an angry dude. He got really drunk for oh, it. Boy. Oh. Uh, that was how he got into character for that big finale. Right. So basically he had a conversation with his wife who had to go through all of that as well. And they mm. said, we're not doing this again. I'm not doing this kind of thing again. He didn't really do that kind of thing before. Mm. He came off of Broadway in No Time for Sergeants, which is a comedy. Uh, he's and, a goofball. Yeah, he's a goofball. And he went on to do more goofball things. This was like the only movie he did it wasn't the only drama that he did, but it was the only one like this. Where he's the villain. And he didn't like it. He didn't like how it made him feel. Yeah. So he said, I'm never doing that, this yeah. again. Mm-hmm. I didn't like how it made me feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, there were times when I did like how it made me feel and other times when I did not like how it made me feel. <laughs> I mean, I think he was really great yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. As a villain, he was very scary and charismatic. Well, I wouldn't call him a villain. I'd call him an anti-hero. 
No, I'd call no, him no, a villain. Call really? him no, I'm sorry. I, don't know. I, don't I, I, I felt really sorry for him the whole time. I, I, I was like, he's he's become he he has no, I don't know. I feel like he was just thrown into the situation and reacted like. But I don't know. There... Anybody not in his situation would have reacted. Well, it kind of that makes sense. Be if you put it in the context of this is a guy who was already damaged. Yeah, I and mean, then mm-hmm. they exploited that. Exactly. Well, that, yeah, that, I guess it depends on how you see his character. Do you see him as someone who was corrupted by sort of the world giving him whatever he wants, or do you see him as a guy who was always manipulative and then just got a venue? Oh, interesting. I, I took it. I, I kind of I kind of read it as the former because he was just living a simple life, you know, doing whatever he wanted to do, and the the sort of entertainment machine took control and corrupted his sort of yeah happy go lucky life. He was living off his charisma, mm-hmm. uh, but not. With, well. without ambition or yeah. trying he, to achieve anything he was just going from jail cell to jail cell mm-hmm. jail cell whatever I think, it, yeah i definitely think he was always a hustler i just don't think he was he know, had no ambition to make it a big time hustle no but i don't think that he was i don't think he was a noble hustler to begin with yeah. before he was making sure money. fair enough fair enough yeah i was gonna say i still think he's villainous but one of the things i liked about this movie that other similar movies don't do is it's never implied that he's smart mm-hmm. about like he's never shown to be clever he's just charismatic and he's kind of a dope he just yeah. i don't know i think he gets clever like especially when he starts pitching his consulting services to the senator yeah, he became he savvied up to the pull he has with people sure. and decided to monetize that right i think so in that way i think honestly i'm converting to team villain yeah. the more the <laughs> okay, more i think about enough. this i think that i think the reason he didn't come across smart to begin with was because that helped him when he got in trouble with things he sort of was less threatening to people when mm. he got thrown in jail like oh he's just a drunk like mm. we'll let him off early versus someone who's actually a criminal you know i think it helped his hustling game when he didn't have he was a smooth talker yeah because yeah. he just sort of was like i'm just a plain spoken yeah. country boy I, don't don't think too much about me i saw him as charismatic but not very smart because i think that speech he gives to Marsha about hey i'm going to be the secretary of morale, public morale or whatever <laughs> he seems like this sounds good. It's a better job than I have now. Like, and Marsha's the one who's like, "No, I see how this is an evil thing you're doing," and see, he doesn't seem like. And he I cares. took that whole speech the other way. I think I took he it as like, yeah, he very... that path for himself. Like yeah. he he pitched that position. He was it wasn't like... like someone came to him and said, "You know what? What? Here's a morale kind of position, secretary thing you can be." I, I'm pretty sure he crafted that role for mm. himself. Yeah, somebody sort of mentioned like, "Oh, he'd be great in the cabinet," and then exactly, this, sure. and so he ran with that. Got and he created ran with that. for yeah. him, you know, and it is a villainous position. It's <laughs> oh, manipulating public opinion. Very, they, th- very, very third right. They did set that yeah. up earlier in the movie when he does the thing with the dogs. Marsha gives us gives him a talk and says. Yeah. What you know? How does that feel to be so powerful that you can say whatever you feel like saying, and people will do what you yeah. want them to do? Mm-hmm. And that is basically what the minister of morale—that's <laughs> right. his whole job. Yeah, he's just using—he knows what his strengths are, and he is using them mm-hmm. to profit. Now yeah. he's just got the opportunity. The the reason I I feel bad for him and pity him is that he is just the fact that he was corrupted. You know, I I feel like the the onus on of of. I guess I'm putting the villain role really on the entertainment field and kind of the the machine that made him how he became and not so much on his own I, don't I know. mean, they're not innocent either. They're definitely. I feel part like they enabled him. Corruption they're, machine. Yeah, it, they're, just, they're the drug that led him to where he is. I just don't think he's a victim in any of this. I think he's. No, just, he victimizes uh, other he's, people. Yeah, he's sure. a, he's a convenient player in the game. Yeah. So I will. I should probably mention that in the short story, he's actually much worse. 
uh, in a way, because he gains such power in the uh, story that he is able to incite war, basically. Oh, geez, and that wow. it is about he is about to incite war uh, when he has his downfall. He's ready to go on the radio, and he knows that he can manipulate the situation to actually cause a war between countries. I think this is a good time to mention some of the cameos that were in the movie. Oh, yeah, there were actual <laughs> real-life uh, people from that time period Not just in big movie. Jeff Best. I don't remember seeing... Um, oh, shoot. I hate the fact that I can't remember people's names. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, Mike Wallace, was that? Mike Wallace was, was in that movie. Yeah. Um, Swayze? Yeah. Uh, who was a oh, yeah. newscaster at not the time? Not Patrick. Yeah, no. the other Swayze. They, I don't. A lesser Swayze. Yeah, not a lesser Swayze. Uh, I mean, Swayze. He was a pretty big Swayze at the time. <laughs> um, but I, the person I don't remember seeing who is listed in the cast is, oh, Lord, Charlie Rose. Nope. <laughs> other oh, movie. Oh, please don't say that. Um, the guy who voices the snowman in Frosty the no, not the narrates Frosty the snowman. Oh, I, I don't know. Burl Ives. Oh, what? where was he? Did he show up in that him. movie? No, no but why is he in the cast? I don't know. Yeah. All right, that's interesting. But what was the guy who was the Variety newspaper printer who had his downfall on the radio as well? Oh yeah, oh, they Uncle Don. Bastards. They mentioned Uncle Don. He's the guy that said that ought to hold the little bastard <laughs> yeah. at the end of his children's radio show. I only think of the Simpsons <laughs> and Gabbo. That's the only thing I can think of when you say that. But yeah. So now that's a now that's in our. I don't know, are the zeitgeist yeah. where that's IMDb, just a thing? That's not a real event. That, that didn't was a really rumor. Happen? Yeah, he didn't actually do that, but that is the, the rumor of what he did. So that was, I thought it was cute. It had a lot of cameos yeah. in it. Yep. No, As, uh, which is a, one way that it relates to the second movie that we watched, <laughs> which also had cameos from real newscasters in it. Yeah, do you want to talk about the Ides of March? Uh, let's see, are we done with. Uh, and check your notes. You got all those great... <laughs> These notes are all for Ides of March. <laughs> great. Okay. Then yes. Yeah, we're I think done. we're ready to move on. <laughs> okay. I will do my best to synopsize this. I did watch it like two or three days ago. Well, but I think I remember pretty well what happened. I was paying attention. And you've got your notes. I've got we'll, my notes. We'll non- crowdsource the, the yeah. summary. They are not synopsis notes. <laughs> so the Ides of March from 2000-something or other. 11. <laughs> written and directed by George Clooney and some other writers. Based on a play. It's oh, it had, who, who was the other famous person who co-wrote, oh, Leo DiCaprio. No, he was yeah. a producer. He, he produced, produced it, produced it. He was involved it. in the, he was originally going to be Ryan Gosling, but he dropped out. Oh. There was also some other famous actor who was going to jump, who was going to be in one of the roles that dropped out. I can't remember who it was, but there was like a whole bunch of famous people. Mm. This, uh, the script for this was on the blacklist for a couple of years as like one of the best unproduced movies. Mm, wow. Yeah, right. But <laughs> which like, is weird like when you Like Jacob's Ladder? Sure, right. <laughs> uh, which is amazing because uh, it's not the best movie. Uh, <laughs> it stars Ryan Gosling as the main character named Stephen Mur something. Oh, God. Melvin. Do we ever know his last name? Yeah, because they keep referring to it. Stephen? Yeah, we'll call him Stephen. Stephen, he is a he is the young hotshot campaign manager, manager, second in command campaign manager Mm -hmm. for uh, Governor Morris, who is running to be Senator Morris. No, he's president. President. Oh, I'm sorry, he's in the Democratic (laughs) primary to be the Democratic nominee for president, uh, running against I can't remember the his opponent's name. Do you guys remember? Uh, Pullman, Pullman, something Pullman. Pullman. Yeah, Senator Pullman. Uh, Ryan Gosling is the 
young hotshot who's really good at media and youth outreach. Uh, he works under um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul something. Um, and they have a good shot at taking the Democratic nomination. Um, the Early on, the crux of this movie is whether they should offer the vice presidential cabinet, oh, cabinet. cabinet secretary of state position to a man named thompson played by jeffrey wright who if they do so they will win the ohio prime primary which will lock it up for them and, and they well, also talk about the fact that whoever wins ohio typically wins the wins. presidency right. what they really want is his pledged delegates yeah. he has yes. over 300 pledged delegates and that will just put them mathematically out of reach Regardless right. of what happens. Right. So if they get him, then they will get the delegates, then they'll get the nomination, and they'll get the presidency. But George Clooney doesn't want to because... He's still principled. He's well, such a yeah. principled dude. He doesn't dude. agree with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> with what um, Thomas would do with the position because he wants to, and I quote, chop the top ten floors off of the UN. Right. And they, they early on in this movie, for the first 45 minutes, it is all about how George Clooney is like kind of a progressive candidate for Democrat, but he's got a good shot of winning despite his progressive politics. And Paul and Stephen are kind of the backstage people who are trying to craft him in a, in a position where he could win the presidency. Before I forget, I'll yeah, forget this sure. later. Both of these movies, I thought it was... I thought it was interesting that they were so clear about what their political position, the political position of the candidates were. Like George Clooney just, just out and out says, "I'm an atheist." Sort right. of. Well, not being an atheist, but like yeah. I, you know, I want. I don't know. He says some things about you know disarming or or yeah, you know, paying for all kids should have free college tuition or whatever. Yes. They're all the and it's the same in the other movie, although they're more conservative. It's like no social security and blah blah blah. Right. I would think that take a, a strict political stands yeah. would be would distract people from being able to watch a movie, right? Like I would think maybe that, nowadays. <laughs> or even then it would be like if that's the political message of this movie, well then there's like a certain portion of the or the population who can't watch this movie comfortably. I completely agree, because when I was watching it, James and I got in an argument over that position <laughs> about whether or not it was extreme, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to watching the movie. Yeah, <laughs> we should get there. We should yeah, come yeah. back, circle I back. Just, the I just didn't want to forget that that was the thought that yeah. I had for both movies. My, I think my thought is just that it probably made it real. It made it realistic. Otherwise, I feel like people w- would have dismissed the movies as not being, you know, well thought out or credible enough. I don't know, maybe just added... More I credibility to the movie? I have some was, thoughts on that, but I do think we should right. circle back. I, was this say, gets I think him. that it makes we'll the character more substantive, which is supposed to make us like him more versus just being sort of like Except a, that it would a make caricature. some people hate him. Sure, yeah. but at least at least it's better than him being a caricature and all he does is give slogans. Yeah, yeah. so at least just to pick a stand and sure. then you ground the movie and you can move forward. So early on in this movie, so there's, there's another character introduced of Mary... I believe that's your no. name. Is Marilyn? it Marilyn? Molly. Molly. She Molly. says Mary, and then he... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. thing. It's, a, it's a very cute thing. An intern in the office, played by Evan Rachel Wood, who's got the hots for Ryan Gosling. Um, that's about all the character of her you get early on. <laughs> she, Her father's somebody important in the Democratic yes, he's world. A well, he's the DNC chair. chair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stephen gets a message from uh, the opposing candidate's campaign manager duffy saying i need to meet you it's really important it's a secret 
They go meet in secret. He says, I think you should quit working for Paul and come work for me. Because uh, we're going to play dirty. Yeah, and we're going to play dirty and we're going to win because the Republicans are going to caucus for the opposing, for us. And you're going to lose. Yeah, because they think we could, they think our candidate that is weaker and they can beat him. So they want to have him be the nominee versus your candidate. Did you mention right. that it's a state where you can vote for whoever yes, you want? Yes, it's an open primary. I, Which we don't have here anymore. No. We don't. I, I would have mentioned it. A lot of this does not actually come up in a meaningful <laughs> way shortly after this scene, but this is the the stakes at this point. So Stephen goes home with some thoughts. Uh, he starts a romantic relationship with Molly, but he also gets a he talks to Philip Seymour Hoffman on the phone and does not tell him. Yes, that he, he says I got to talk to you, and then later when he calls him back, he says nah, nothing. That's <laughs> yeah, because cool. Philip Seymour Hoffman is off at this point talking to. Thompson. Thompson. He's trying to, trying to court his vote and has a very uncomfortable conversation with him there because he thought it was all locked up and realizes it is not. Yeah, <laughs> all it, screwed up. Yeah. Uh, we're also introduced to Ida, played by Marissa Tomei, who's a reporter who basically says, I want to know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> See you and later in the movie, she's folks. She's got a lot of campaign access. It's very clear that throughout this thing, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character has been you know, feeding her stories that are really good for both the campaign and her access. And um, she's trying to build that relationship with Ryan Gosling's character as well. Yeah. Yes. And it's, and it's initially, it's a little unclear if they're friends or if they just have this I scratch your back, mm-hmm. you scratch my back relationship, which becomes important. So. Yes. I'd say at this point in the movie, that story kind of ends <laughs> right, right at this point. Yeah, she disappears. <laughs> uh, because Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, and Evan Rachel Wood, their romantic relationship turns into a sexual relationship. Then he finds out that she has got the governor's phone number, and the governor has called her, and she's called the governor. He confronts her about this, and she says, well, actually, I'm pregnant. I was calling him for money for an abortion. Uh, he gets very upset and says, this is your fault, but I'm going to get some money, and we'll sneak you off to an abortion clinic. Uh, um, I have a quick thought. Yeah, please. <laughs> so uh, w- this is actually a really trivial thought. Um, so the whole reason how he finds out about this call is because he mis uh, misinterprets. He yeah, he he thinks her phone is his phone, and that whole time the only thing I could think of is it's 2011. Why don't they have Blackberries or iPhones? Sure, they had really, they really, had really, old really, really old feature phones. And the whole time I was like, this that is what's ruining this movie for me right now. <laughs> I'm assuming that there's these old, old, old phones. Honestly, my thought was the DNC because they were the ones paying for it are just cheap and they cheaped out on the phones. I get that for Reverend Rachel Wood, but he's the campaign manager. No, but they should have a nice Every phone. single person on the campaign gets the same phone. So yeah, that's the whole point. If it's going, right. it's Nokia. going all you know, down and, to and, the be, and I was thinking, you know, if this was actually real life like there's no way he would have been able to like look through her messages and stuff because um, it would be locked yeah right this this premise wouldn't have moved forward (laughs) right but that's that explains why they had that scene where everybody gets gets a new phone phone. sure apparently they do it pretty frequently where they you know they seem to trade phones a lot and you know at every stop they get a new phone and maybe it's supposed to be more secure but i don't know smartphones i don't yeah it's cheaper so now we've set up a conflict (laughs) a whole bunch of stuff happens in short Succession. A huge amount of plot events all happen at once. Well, I think it's important to note that um, Ryan Gosling's character, the reason he rebuffs Duffy's offer is because he actually believes in um, yes. candidate Clooney's message and that he doesn't just want to win, he wants this guy to win. Right. You know, he's new he's to the political guy. world. There is a scene in which the Ryan Gosling convinces this governor to 
go all in on free college if if students. they do service. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was the scene we argued about. <laughs> was he was saying, your position is sort of wishy-washy. You need to commit to this. You can't just make propose it, it. Yeah, you can't just propose it as an option. You need to make it compulsory that, mm-hmm. you know, everyone offers two years of service regardless of what they do, and then they get free college. <laughs> That's funny. We talked about it as well. <laughs> we stopped and basically had a conversation about whether that made sense or not. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was interesting, their comment about how anyone old enough to vote would be like, sure, why I, not? I'm already exempt. It doesn't affect me anymore. And anyone that for a anyone who would be subjected to this is too it's young, young to vote. vote. No. It was, oh, that was really Nobody would go along with that. <laughs> yeah, we also, <laughs> you know, we brought, you know, what about the parents of people under the age of 18? They might not vote for it. Mm. No. And there's a lot but of I, I don't, people hate social think, security. What are you is, talking about? I don't think that the people who'd be opposed to it are voting Democrat anyway. Yeah, sure. I can see that. I think if, if you told a lot of Democrats, like, we will pay for your kids' tuition. All they have to do is volunteer for two years, plant some trees. A lot of, a lot, that'll help a lot of budgets. Right, but they made it mandatory, so you don't have an option to not. Oh, serve. no, I mean, this right. is where that the disagreement the came up, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I it's, I think it's more palatable when, especially with how expensive college is. I mean, that's like a hundred grand for right, two right. years of work. That's more than a lot of people's parents make a yep. year. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of where we settled as well. It's like, if you made it voluntary, sure. If you volunteer for two years and then you get that, that makes sense. You can't make it mandatory for every 18-year-old to, and, and you can, why, And but... why was that, why was making it voluntary of a wishy-washy stance i i don't know i think yeah, it, i don't it, understand that at all i, I don't because that know. seems <laughs> really, really radical it seems really bold <laughs> yeah. to me so when he said you know you have to either go all in or, or don't propose it at all i was like i think it wait, maybe what? His, his point was that it makes him a more like sort of forceful candidate like but i have it, actual yeah. you know stances which is interesting because it, it seems like one of the, the first things that you would you know, go back on if you actually were elected president. I think I agree with you. It is, yeah. seems to me a more conservative position to be mandatory yeah. service exactly, guarantees college yeah. as opposed to, well, well if you want to go to college, here's a method to get there. Maybe that's more appealing in the general then. Maybe he's like thinking three steps I disagree, ahead. but... No, I mean, listen, it's clearly <laughs> all maybe. of us are on the same page. Yeah, but that's <laughs> the other, that's part of why I had that thought about the the being so clear about your political stance in this movie Fair basically enough. we stopped watching the movie because somebody made a political right. you know somebody <laughs> said what their, <laughs> what their plan was for the future well, it's like i think this movie was definitely written for people who like politics like i don't think you enjoy this movie i think it is yeah. very boring to you if you have no interest in politics or because maybe it's... even if you do <laughs> yeah or generally because yeah, it's very it's it's wonky, you know? It's, well, it's not right. a behind-the-scenes. i got to get through this so we can move <laughs> back <laughs> over, because there's, there's stuff later in this movie I want okay, to talk about, Okay, but you too. left out something that's important to me. <laughs> so important before, to you. Yes, <laughs> and we are going to need to talk about it. Okay. So before before the, the scene where she confesses that she got pregnant, she needs an abortion, mm-hmm. is the scene where she... I guess seduces him. Oh, oh God, yeah. No, I was going to come back to that. Right. We <laughs> are coming gross. back to that later. All right, you can continue. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we'll get to the sexual politics of this movie for sure. Uh, he says, okay, great. Uh, he confronts, or he basically says, okay, I'm going to borrow money from the campaign. I'm going to drive you secretly to an abortion clinic where you can get an abortion. And then we're going to cover this all up so the governor can become the president also i'm gonna pick you up after yeah and i'm gonna pick you up after all Uh, of that i had issue with absolutely (laughs) can we talk about this now or we'll also get there why why, why did he need the campaign money why couldn't he just 
I God, who knows? How, I mean, I don't I mean, know. I don't know the, the I don't know the salary well, of a campaign planner. Some of the money from the campaign, and the rest he personally withdraws. Why? <laughs> It, uh, no, he gives her he gives her all of it, and he <laughs> says use what nine hundred for the abortion, and the rest use it to get yeah, the hell out of but here. But he only got five hundred from the campaign. Does his bank account only have nine hundred bucks like, in why, it? What the hell? I I don't understand. And also, as a campaign manager, I don't know how much money they make. But why couldn't he? If he felt so personally responsible, like why didn't he just give her the money? Like why did it have to come out of the campaign? Like why well, did he have for to? The thing is, it can't come out of the campaign. Like, but it does. But it no, did. no, no, no. It comes out of petty cash where you don't have to track. But it. what I'm saying is, why did he even like set up that alert? Like w- w- he went and talked to Ben and said, "Hey, you know, where's I that petty cash? Hey, like, dude, how much money can we get? Are you, how about bringing more? I don't think he's getting that. Don't tell anyone. I feel like I don't know he could have sold that damn phone it makes no sense it makes no goddamn sense yeah. uh there's like a like 10 plot points all stacked he could have just gotten her an uber i don't know was uber around 2011 no. <laughs> he takes her to the abortion clinic he then he meets with paul who says you're fired no 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 first he gets a call from ida oh he gets a call ida's from ida who saying, says i know all about your meeting with, with duffy. duffy then he meets with paul who which he assumes the, uh, the yeah, guy that he met Duffy. with. And he calls Duffy and says, you, you know, you're a jackass. Here, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have some of that. Libations. Uh, Creamy wine. He meets with Paul, who says, the only thing I value is loyalty. I'm the one who told Ida about Ooh. this. You're fired. You stink. Ben is there for some reason. They're just like, hey, just hang out, Ben. It's all ben cool. Ben taking notes. Yeah, that was, I, I, I found that a really awkward scene, too. I feel like... Um, it's only there Philip, to set Philip up a Seymour plot Hoffman later. has enough tact to be able to do this in a way that's not I don't think he weird. cares. I don't yeah. think he cares. I think he's super angry at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought that was really weird. It's super weird and it only is there to set up a later confrontation. It makes no sense and, character-wise. And, and Ben being there made no sense, too. Like, that, yeah, no, that, that, that I mean, character, yeah. I don't understand why that character needed to exist. He had no... I think he's just set up to be the next causing, so he gets the promotion. Well, he has to be there so that he can tell Evan Rachel Wood yeah. later. Because oh. if, if he's not okay. there, no one's there to all set right, up the right, next right. okay. scene. Sorry. Go on. Uh, Paul says, you're fired. Um... Now Ryan Gosling goes to Duffy and says, hey, I've got some secrets and I want to be part of your campaign. And Duffy says, hey, it was all part of my plan. I don't care about you. Well, this he is, is too late now. He is ready to burn some bridges. He is mm-hmm. real yeah. angry. And Duffy is like, people who are looking for revenge are unstable and we don't need yeah. instability on this campaign. And he says, basically, just the fact that you met with me was a win for me. That's all I wanted. Yeah. Simultaneously, Evan Rachel Wood gets an abortion. Ryan Gosling doesn't pick her up. She goes home. Then she, then Ben busts in and says, oh, I was just here for this meeting and uh, Stephen just got fired and Paul fired him and I'm in charge now. Uh, and Molly freaks out. Freaks out. And we cut away. Wait, and there was a point in the movie where she said, I can't possibly go to my father about We're my Catholic. issue. We're Catholic. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, and I'm a Catholic. Catholic. I can't ask him for money. My father, who is the head of the DNC. Yeah, yeah, it's like every plot point is condensed over like <laughs> yeah. 15 and minutes. And also, I thought it was really odd that she obviously knew she was pregnant, and she was still like yeah. being really flirty and like getting it on with Ryan Gosling well, more than once. Well, she can't get pregnant twice. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. That's, I mean, that's biology. That's just biology. Yeah. Well, it but I'm me, just saying. It, it made, made me wonder whether she got into that relationship to somehow get out of her predicament. Yeah. Exactly. I think she manipulated him in some way. And Initially, I was like, maybe she's not even pregnant. Maybe she's just hustling him for some money. I don't know. You know what? There's nothing in the movie to support these ideas except <laughs> giving her credit that she may have more agency than yeah. she does. I, 
I think the way her character is written, it was just she so sloppy. It was so, it was so sloppy. It was so sloppy. I didn't understand. And that's why when you said, when you started this by saying it was a kind of a sleeper movie that everyone was like surprised it didn't get picked up. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm glad it slept for two years. I think it's more like the prestige of like Clooney backing it. Uh, there, was, there was there was an early was conversation in this movie where I was like. Oh, I can tell this is written by a man. Let me go look it up. Yeah. Yep. You want to see my note? Here's my note on the. There's a conversation scene. that's like. This says pickup scene slash white male writer. It's the yeah. point where she they guess each other's ages, oh God, and so she guesses his age correctly, and yep. then he guesses her age, and she's like, "I'm so young, but I love you." Yeah. And I was oh, like, so "Yes, yeah, so yeah. it was basically a, like." It was like a Playboy scene. It was yeah. very, very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. So anyway. She's, her character is both <laughs> extremely naive and very sexy. Yeah. They're a perfect combination. Women. And, and she's also super pregnant. Let's not forget. And then dies. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, spoiler alert. alert. We didn't get yeah, there. Here's the next scene. Ryan Gosling goes to her hotel room to... Check on her. Check on her. Just see what's up. Yeah, that she, was ambiguous, too. Like, why was he there? Well, he's mad because he just got fired, and then he just found out he was manipulated by... Duffy. Yeah, so let me fired. go to this girl's room who's just apparently had an abortion. Listen, he can go have sex with her. Like, that's all she is at I this forgot point to him. pick her up. Yeah, My and bad. also, he, he forgot <laughs> to pick her up. And um, what, so he went to the hotel room assuming that she had found her way home. I found her way to the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, didn't call the check. Didn't call the check, yeah. So Well, it's possible he called and she didn't answer. I mean, she was dead. She... But wasn't his phone there? No, that was no, her phone that, that she, yeah. he grabbed. He grabbed her phone, mm-hmm. yeah. Again. <laughs> so he goes there. She has committed suicide off abortion drugs. Which, exactly. That was the other thing. Uh, I was like, this makes sorry. no sense. <laughs> right. That makes no sense. You can't OD. For, I mean, I'm not speaking from experience or anything, but I'm just saying. The it, doctor's it's, like, here's your painkillers? They're, like, they're antibiotics. Yeah, they're yeah, antibiotics and painkillers. Like, so that made no sense. Yeah. Uh, he steals okay. her phone. Mm-hmm. Then he calls and sets up a confrontation with the governor to confront him secretly in the back of a it was restaurant. so creepy because they're giving a press conference about her death and how much it means yes. to the campaign and how saddened they are. And um, one of the questions that the reporters ask is how long has she been with the campaign? And Clooney doesn't know, so he sort of steps he aside. He knows. He knows, but he's like, but he oh, can't oh, I, don't you think, I mean, listen, he knows he how long like since... No he knows connection. how long since he's... Banger, I mean, I, I, I think I think that on. move was more like she's too small potatoes for me. Like, right, like yeah, like yeah. talk to the campaign manager. Exactly. He'll start that's, answering that's, below, that's, that's way below my pay grade. So, right, but as, that is a it's a strategy to separate him. You know, he gave a lot of space between myself and this person. Yeah, I don't I know. She's so small, I couldn't yeah. possibly no, no. I mean, be aware I think of her. That he definitely did it purposely, but I also think he just didn't. I mean, yeah. he's not going to know whenever he gets hired. So he steps aside while Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is taking the rest of the press questions, and his phone rings, and he looks down and the caller ID says Molly. <gasps> yeah. It's like, like, what? <laughs> and that's when he sort of tries not to freak out and is looking through the audience here's, to... Here's a problem with this. If he didn't know that Ryan Gosling was on to him, it would also kind of seem like Ryan Gosling murdered her and stole her <laughs> phone. Yeah, because the I, fact that she's calling him from doesn't, is from not like indicative of anything. <laughs> That's just like someone got her phone and called him. That's yeah, the she would worst way number. to be like, I know what you did last summer. No. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, oh, guilty people, like, that's how they act, you know? If he wasn't guilty of anything, he probably would be like, why do you have her phone? There is a confrontation with Ryan Gosling and the governor where the governor's like, yeah, I'm a bad guy. You caught me. Uh, he, they have a confrontation where Ryan Gosling says, you need to fire Paul and make me the boss. Otherwise, I will tell everyone what you did. The governor says, you don't have any proof. And he goes, too bad. 
and that's what happens. Well, he bluffs that he has proof. Yeah. Yeah. What was the bluff? That he I had have a, a note. She note. wrote a suicide note, and I that's stole it. That's what it was, right. On her phone. Which, to With, me, I was which like... Which is a feature phone. So again, really <laughs> this is when they're not, like, recognizing the technology of 2011. The police are investigating this murder, or this suicide, to make sure it was a suicide. Yeah. They will subpoena her phone records also, and see that she called the governor at 2.30 in the morning. Like this, this conversation with the governor is like, well, you need to have proof, otherwise yeah, no one will believe you. I'm like, there no. Are, there is... Well, you first don't off, need yeah. proof. He's just going to tell <laughs> the press and be way. like, I'm the campaign manager. I know. No, it's a scandal either way, but there is proof. You called her at 2.30 in the morning. Those phone records exist. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. Not cool. Like, yeah, right. You're being stupid right now. She's pregnant. Well, she <laughs> yeah, wasn't She anymore. was pregnant, yeah. but she's got a handful of drugs from an abortion doctor. Well, why, why did she OD? Oh, who knows? Or, or quote unquote. Oh, they they said it was an accident, but I assume it was think, not because of fear no, I, of I her think, father's. Well, yeah, the scene no, came she up. She got murder. the abortion. Oh no, so, she like, definitely killed herself. No, so after the after the abortion, <laughs> why would I'm sorry, I'm very animated right now. Yeah. <laughs> why would she want to kill herself? Because at this point, all the problems are solved. When she finds out that Stephen was fired, her instinct is he is going to go scorched earth, and tell. he is going to tell that I was pregnant, and my father, who is a very strict Catholic, who I couldn't come to with this problem in the first place, is going to find out I had an abortion. I cannot let that's this. That's my face, too. I'm, I'm, I have the same reaction uh, to this. You know, I'm, that's, I'm a sweet, That's what the movie told me. Yeah, yeah, that's what the movie says. When the when that first scene happened, I was like, oh, she was murdered by the governor, and this is going to be a murder mystery. Yeah. That's yeah. so exciting. Yeah, exactly. Except the governor never, like, nope, didn't know. Have, have no idea, yeah. That's, that's yeah not... He had no idea she was pregnant. Cause can can we rewrite this movie? <laughs> sure. To the third act savior. Yeah, you better watch it again. Yeah. Yeah, the red herring here was that I thought it was a better movie than it was. Uh... So then the movie just ends, basically. There's, he... <laughs> no. He confronts the governor. The governor fires Paul. Mm-hmm. He becomes the campaign manager. He rubs it in everybody's face for a while. <laughs> so is, is he, is he Lonesome, uh, Lonesome Rhodes? Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Gosling is the Lonesome Rhodes. Well, is he the Lonesome Rhodes or the Marsha? Know. I think he's... Oh God. He's neither. He's, yeah. There's some parallels, the there's some not. He lost his uh, faith. No, yeah. yeah he so definitely that, became yeah. corrupted by... I, I think, although even that is covered the plot, we may need to go around because I have a lot to say. I know you have a lot to say. If you have a lot to say, I have nothing to say. Mine is mostly the technological inconsistencies of the time. Would you like to? Here, I'll start with my thing. There are two tropes for political movies. This movie uses them both. They're contradictory. One is that absolute power corrupts absolutely, Mm -hmm. which is that once you get in a position of power, you can't turn down. Uh, things that happen that's lonesome roads right Mm -hmm. there's another one which is that in order to get into power you have to corrupt yourself Mm -hmm. this movie uses them both they're completely contradictory one is that the governor is willing to corrupt himself but he's normally would be a good guy but he has to corrupt himself to get power which is why he makes a deal with thompson and one is that he's completely corrupt already, which is why he doesn't care about sleeping with Molly and getting her pregnant. No, but, but with, Those with, are totally with, contradictory. with Ides of March, he doesn't want to do the deal with Thompson. It's Paul who's encouraging him to do that, and, right? And convinces right, him but to he do it. convinces he's him. He's convinced to do he it. He doesn't convince him. He blackmails he, him. Blackmails yeah, him, which right. is different from being convinced. Yeah. But the movie start. The, the, one of the issues with this movie is that none of the characters change in any way because they're all corrupt to begin with. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I There's mean, no none of them need a push. Corrupt. No, there were people that changed in both movies. Marsha changed mm-hmm. and Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. changed. He didn't change. Yeah, I he did he change. Didn't. He went from he was an idealist being, to being. Uh, I don't think he was an idealist. I think he was willing to corrupt himself immediately. Like the movie starts with him and Paul being like, "Here's what you need to do to win." No, he well, he, he doesn't have any. I he think he was a strategist. Hide. Yeah, he doesn't hide with. that he's willing to do 
you know, things He's that are extreme. He's going to explore the options. only if... It's for the good, yeah. for the greater good, for things that he believes in. And he That's and he's and, and and I think early on we see how honorable he is by copying up to Paul that he went and met Duffy. Like he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to say That's- that. That's right? true, but he, he, I mean, he sells himself out immediately. As I'm soon not, as he's got dirt, I'm not he sells saying Ryan well, That's because character. that's the transformation, right? Yeah. That's the transformation. But what leads to that transformation? Then All he the got shit fired. he went through. Yeah, he got <laughs> he gets fired. fired now he, he's like, well, he's, I'm, he, he got it. screwed by the person he looked up to the most. Paul yeah. was like, a, was the person he admired the most, mm, and but, that person mm, screwed him up. He, but Paul was still being true to his. Yeah, Paul was not Paul, corrupt. Paul's the only not corrupt person. Both Paul Giamatti and Paul played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Were, the were very the were, did not they did not they did not diverge they did not go off their path they right. both okay. had a path it wasn't a, it's not necessarily a good Righteous. path it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not virtue but they had a path they knew what they were doing and they stuck to it mm-hmm. ryan gosling character started on a similar path but then the events of the movie caused him to go to a more dark place. I guess. I'm not saying that it was like a, it wasn't like a switch from good to bad. It was more like a switch from <laughs> neutral to bad. Not even neutral. More like <laughs> leaning bad manipulative to, all the way to I think he was now a, I'm in it for me. Yeah. I think he was a very like the ends justify the means person to begin, to begin with. with. Yeah. And then yeah. the, what he thought the ends should be changed. They went from the greater good to what's good for me. Mm-hmm. I, because he realized that's I how all the other you. players are playing it. And, and so, he, like, what's even the point? And, and they, he they lost allude, his faith, Yeah, too. exactly. They allude to some of that to begin with, where, you know, when he and Clooney are sitting down, and Clooney is like, you know, you'll be with me for a little bit, and then it'll set you up for a consulting gig, you know, in the future, and that's just the path of politics. That's what, you know, campaign managers do. <laughs> and, and he sort of began being a little idealistic, like, no, 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 like, I really want to push these policies and then in the end he's like no i get it like this is this is the game this is the system i i have some issues with that it's also (laughs) not helped by the fact that the sexual politics of this movie make ryan gosling out to be a complete villain yeah like he is a rotten person to a his the person who works for him who's 10 years is younger Yes, but yeah. I don't think I don't even know if the writers no. knew they no, were they doing don't. that. No, they don't. But that ma- makes it worse. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I know. I know it makes it worse in reality. But uh, George Clooney, who helped write this movie, oh. doesn't know the difference. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, so that did not. You know. She is a weak. Like Evan Rachel Wood is a weak character who has no agency and is killed. But also, <laughs> she's she impregnated feels, and the murdered. The way she's written is she feels like um, somebody's like, idea. No, no, but not just that. Like. If only she hadn't gotten in the way. Like, this was a great candidate who, yeah, if she right. just hadn't been there, I mean, Ryan he wouldn't have her. stumbled. And, you know, it's the very, like, Eve, you know, in, mm-hmm. in biblical times. Like, she's the, it's the she's woman, the she corrupts child. us all. Like, it was, ugh, so She doesn't know any better, but she's also very sexy. And, and... She's the Stormy Daniels. Like, <laughs> she's the baton twirler. Well, <laughs> she's the baton twirler, exactly. Yeah, she's, ugh, she's... It's worse than the baton twirler because the movie also has, make sure to have a scene where after she's killed herself... A new oh, young person is coming oh, in to be part of a campaign. Very, yeah, right. and that's the uh, that's oh, the problem so I had with this movie too. Yeah. Is it's very cynical about politics. But that's While the Coca Cola sign. Be, it's <laughs> that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But I think yeah. it mirrors a lot of, and probably back then and definitely now, um, the idea of uh, purity in politics that candidates can't be flawed at all if they aren't one hundred percent perfect mm-hmm. and have consistent ideals. And they can't change their minds. And, you know, if, if the 
candidate doesn't agree with me on 100% of the positions, I can't stand for them. And it's, it's, that's all that's portrayed in this movie. It's Clooney's great other than he's a douchebag who cheated on his wife with an underage girl. Well, she's not even underage, but a young, young mm-hmm. girl. Um, yeah. Other than that, like, there's not really a reason to find him a flawed candidate, but the movie definitely immediately, like, makes him a villain because of that. I would also say that one of my other issues with this movie is that it is, aside from a couple brief moments, largely apolitical. There is very, it does not take a stance in terms of the politics here. In fact, you rare, you barely get a sense of what, who George Clooney is campaigning against. I, 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 yeah, I don't very, agree with that. I think yeah. the entire point of the movie is that politics are dirty and the only way to survive is to be part of this machine. Well, but I think that that is apolitical, which is that you think? it's all bad. Oh, and no, the, but, the movie oh, is kind of like, a, but I don't think it's it a, doesn't matter who you work for because they're all rotten. It's a Maybe. South Park right. of, uh, <laughs> hey, you know, George Clooney seems like the good candidate and his opponent is the bad candidate, but he's a bad, George Clooney's actually bad, the other guy's bad, Thompson is bad, everybody who's involved okay. is bad or becomes corrupt by being involved. Which is interesting to me because I don't think that Clooney portrays himself that way in no, real life. I don't think so He's either. like such an optimistic, and he comes from a political family, and so it was really interesting that I, he would yeah, write I such a so cynical too. movie. But that's what, one of my issues with this movie is like... You had complete control over the script. <laughs> Why did you do right. this there, There's a better movie where Ryan Gosling is willing to corrupt himself to, to protect get, his candidate. To try to protect his candidate. Exactly. Who might be a bad guy, but has some good because points. The point, but it seems the point like being, they're all bad. Yeah, the, and, and I was hoping for that movie because yeah. I thought the thing that we're all rooting for is the protagonist in this movie is Ryan Gosling's faith in George Clooney. I thought that is sure. what we were going to be rooting for. And that quickly crumbled, like, in the first ten minutes. Yeah. I was like, all to right, what, what, are, we, what mean, are we looking for here? What am I honestly, fighting for? Honestly, the reason it crumbled was because... Clooney agreed to let Paul fire him. And I think that was super sure, yeah. shocking mm-hmm. to Steven. And I kind of don't really understand why Clooney's character nope. did that because we don't see the conversation yep. between him and Paul. Yep. And even as an audience member, I was like, wait, what? I like that you scene. You seem to really be in that on his scene side. When, when, when they got in the car and it was in the alleyway and we're like slowly panning in, I thought like we were going to see a gunshot oh or something. Oh my God. Which yeah, kind right. of like, like, what does that say about our political realm? Like, know, immediately I, I was like, somebody's going to die. Like, they're going to murder Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> I thought I, I for sure was like just waiting mm. for that burst of light from the car and, and just yeah me too but instead and just see a body just, roll out the side his, and then he just gets out his it was like, political okay. career was that killed is, instead that is so not as sexy a metaphor <laughs> to me that's the connection between this and facing the crowd yeah. which is that I was hoping that George Clooney would be maybe not an anti-hero but like oh, he's a really good candidate who has a rotten personal life mm-hmm. and is a terrible person. And I can see why Ryan Gosling is willing to put himself in a position where he basically has blackmailed this guy into becoming president. Mm-hmm. But in this, I'm like, oh, well, George Clooney sucks. So everybody, every single character in this movie is out for themselves. I don't really care who succeeds because they're all rotten but people. he didn't suck until that very last scene where Gosling confronts him in the kitchen. Like, right. That's where they that's made That's right, but that's, that's but still, even, that ruined it for even me. Even in that scene, I mean, sort of as, a, as a candidate, as yeah. a person who's going to hold a position in, you know, a political position and uh, president, I guess, mm-hmm. um, he was never portrayed as being wrong in that, in that portion of his life, right? Yeah, it was, I, he was I never portrayed felt... as being false to that. He was false to his wife. He sure. was false in... Well, he never portrayed himself as being... Loyal. The movie, in, at least 
like flirts with the idea that he murdered Evan Rachel Wood or that Evan Rachel I Wood was murdered. I didn't get that. I, I thought it was suicide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was like, there, there is a, that confrontation was where the movie fell apart for me because what I was hoping was George Clooney was going to say, oh my God, I didn't know she was pregnant, but I'm so, but I like, I want to do good for this country. And Ryan Gosling would say, well, fire everybody else. I've corrupted myself, but I, I can get you into the presidency because I know you'll do good. Right. Even though you're a bad guy. It wasn't a great movie, See, but I it kind of spoiled itself at the end. If, if in that confrontation between Gosling and Clooney, Clo- the Clooney character had said, I screwed up, but I still believe in things. Right. If he had given some kind of patriotic speech instead of a, I'm we're a slime out, ball speech. Yeah, we're going to out, out fox each other. And I don't think you have a note because I'm not going to, like, there's this but whole thing. he does thing. do that. I mean, one of the things he says is that he still doesn't want Thompson as Secretary of State. Right. And Gosling has to convince him to it. Like, at the very end, he's still trying to be principal. I'm still going to argue with the word convince. <laughs> he forced him into it. For, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. There was some uh, coercion, coercion going on there. <laughs> That's... Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think you're, a, I think you're a little more cynical about his character than <laughs> the movie is. That was the the apolitical part for the part that one of the other parts that bothered me, aside from the sexual politics, which are horrible, <laughs> just across the board. The very worst yeah. thing in that movie was that by the end of the movie, I thought everybody was corrupt in a different way, in in various ways, and mm-hmm. it made me very hard. It made it very hard for me to pull a moral out of this except from like everybody kind of sucks so it's rotten so i guess we just need a populist to show up and say this all <laughs> yeah that. right i don't know yeah. where you pull from that but that, that was the problem i had where i would have preferred the confrontation between ryan gosley and george clooney with george clooney saying i didn't know about any of this i'm so sorry don't tell anyone but like basically being like you caught me mm-hmm. i did a horrible thing and i regret it but i like i you know not a victim, but somebody who's victimized someone else, but feels bad feels about bad it. As opposed to this, where he was like, well, I don't think you have a note. So they're like trying to out, out clever each other. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't like either of them. So I don't really want him to win anymore. I think right. the problem is that the movie was filmed during the Obama presidency. <laughs> That's part of it. But it was written during George W. Bush's presidency right after, I believe, the Howard Dean campaign. Um, and one of the things that Paul Giamatti's character says to Ryan Gosling when he's trying to get him to jump ship and come to their campaign is, the Republicans play dirty, and the reason we don't win is because we refuse to get down to their level and play politics. And, yeah. you know, we try to keep taking the high ground. Which is not supported and, by this movie, and, by the way. But, like, you know, he's like, we'll never get our policies enacted and actually get to help people if we can't get elected. Right. And that is the message of the movie, or at least of that character. Yeah. And it makes sense in that time when mm-hmm. it was written. And it's hard to get that message resonating during the Obama presidency, which is sort of high ground-ish. It's very hard to... I found this movie very hard to watch now as well because of the general... Like, politics is fun, but it's also, like, a nasty game people are playing. When now, if you look in the news, it's like, nobody gives a shit about any of this <laughs> stuff. Like, oh, no, he slept with an intern. Like, right. that, that is, is so true. low stakes by the stuff that is going on right now. But well, I mean, not even just that. I mean, if just think about Clinton. Just think yeah, about sure. President right. Clinton. Yep. Yep. He's okay. He, yeah, that, he that's, skated the, by. that's Ryan Gosling. He's like, you did the one thing you can't do is sleep with an intern. It's like... But that's yeah, the same. Yeah, and but I, when this was written, that is what had just happened to John Edwards' campaign. Sure, that's why right. Didn't so <laughs> yeah. again, it was relevant at the time. Sure. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. That's, but it does if you're a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, <laughs> that's yes. the point. Is that yeah. Democrats self-implode on these kind of things, and Republicans brush them off. Yeah, it, there were. I had some issues with the politics. It mostly it felt naive to me. It felt like George Clooney both 
has no idea, like, has never talked to a woman before <laughs> in his life. I mean, and he also, might not have, I mean, this is Priamal, so he might not have been in that place. And also that he has a, a theory of politics based on the West Wing more than real life, where it's like, some of this stuff seems like it'd be a scandal, some of, it's, some of it doesn't, some of this seems like it's clever people gaming each other, and some people, some of it doesn't, like, it just all seems off. Yeah. I mean, I guess if all politics... Politics did follow the West Wing. We'd be in a better place. Yeah, yeah but Middle East peace would be solved. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that episode. You got anything on your notes? Do you want to? Do yeah. we want to get into the sexual sexual politics now? We should. We scene? should talk about. It. I'm going to take a step back here. This is my chance to. Not oh, good. Talk. We have another bottle of wine. Yeah. 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 So every scene with what's her name? Rachel Evan, Evan Wood. Evan, Evan Rachel, Rachel Wood, the lady from Westworld. Yeah, yes. every one of the scenes that she was in made me a little bit queasy, just a little bit uh, uncomfortable okay. because she didn't act like a real person, a real female human being. No. Uh, that's not how women are. If they had had like one writer, one woman writer in the room could have fixed that. Yeah. I noticed it, and I'm a man, so I was like, this sucks. I don't think they wanted to fix it. I oh, think God. they needed her that, to be mm-hmm. a vehicle for that, the storyline. Um, that scene, instant like, message that he that she sends him while they're on the, oh, on the campaign bus. Her XO, screen name, XO, oh my God, screen name so is so like cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sean and I balked at that, and we were like, so how old was she? Yeah, she was 20. Yeah, she was 20. Yeah, they're really, really reinforcing the fact that she was very, very young. But of age. That's <laughs> very, <laughs> it's very important that she be of age. Which is even more of like, this is a Playboy story or yeah. something. It's not reality. Yeah. It's so gross. Why is it? I mean, the baton twirler was less gross to me. Yeah. Than that character in this modern movie. Uh, the scene where she, where they're at the bar, where she entices him to go to the bar. Yeah. Are you familiar with the term fridging a female yes. character? Yes. No, no. Please yes, explain. Yes, yes. So fridging. that is a trope that is... Comic originally books. from comic books yeah. but it is the concept where a female character is introduced so that she can be murdered uh, to just be in, put in peril for the so there is a famous comic book grow. story for i believe the green lantern mm-hmm. who has a character who's like introduced it's his girlfriend then his wife and then later he goes and opens his fridge and she's been murdered by a serial killer and is there and it's this idea of like they've only introduced this female character so that she can be killed to spur the right. male the character. character. So she, to learn so something. because she is of importance to the male character, and so her demise will further antagonize right. the male character. She's not. A, she's not actually a personality of her. Correct. Own. She's. She's. Her existence is to rile up the male character storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yep. Rachel that, Wood that applies has here. zero agency. That applies here, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, she does nothing for herself in this entire. I don't entire know if movie. that does apply here because he doesn't seem angry about her death he seems no, angry about not at all he's what the governor did more right? nobody mourns her except for her father well no i think her de- the thing her death does is uh cement the the relationship that george clooney and uh ryan gosling have to have now so again to it's it's not necessarily like and riling up green lantern in this way but i think it's it's for furthering a male plot line to further because it, it could have been just as easy for her to quit the campaign and leave. Exactly. And Ryan Gosling still has the blackmail mm-hmm. material. Exactly. She does not have to she, die. Why does she have to die? I absolutely agree. I did not know why she had to die. And it made no sense to me. And that's why I thought, okay, 
let's just pause to see how long we have in the movie because maybe she got murdered and that's going to be the right. additional plotline. That's plot so line. funny. I didn't get that vibe at <laughs> no. because, oh, because, absolutely. Because I her, like, the suicide made no sense to me. She had no reason to kill herself. I knew Other she than, was going to kill yeah, herself from when the she, second. When, when the guy came in and he said, Stephen got fired yeah. and you see the look on her face and I'm like, oh, she's going to kill I herself. I actually no. was worried she was going to do it when he left her at the clinic all by herself and didn't stay with her through oh, the procedure. Oh, and she was walking. Okay, yeah. so yeah. what what has changed between her fucking Ryan Gosling an hour ago and then being in the clinic? Well, I was going to say, there is a, <laughs> because, because a, he tells her. there's a scene after she's died where he picks up the voicemail where she's like, I need to talk to you. Don't leave me. I'm going to be here waiting for you. No, and I'm like, that's, ah, murder. No, yes. no, no, because the point <laughs> is that right before she gets the procedure, when they're in the like stairwell, he's mm-hmm. like, you got to go after this. You are done mm. with this campaign. You have to disappear. Like you fucked yeah, up. Yeah, further, further evidence for a murder. Don't get to mm-hmm. no, but he he just wants her I'm out of here. I mean, <laughs> she's the daughter of the DNC chair. He's right. not planning it's on murder. Scandal, her. yes, and yes. that's the point. Is she doesn't want to be erased. She feels like dismissed, and she's twenty and vulnerable and about to go through this like really emotional decision. Sure, yeah, and nobody's standing by her side. He doesn't even stay with her during the procedure, which she clearly thought he was going to. Well, I don't know why she did. In but her like, conver- in Ryan Gosling's conversation with George Clooney, he also says. Yeah, I think she might have been. Su- it might have been a suicide, maybe. Yeah. And George Clooney's like, hmm. I was like, oh yeah. I, even up to like twenty minutes after her death, I'm like, yeah. So the only so the her. only thing we can attribute to her character is immaturity. I mean, they write her that way. Uh. <laughs> is that the only thing we can attribute she's to her? So yeah, the baton twirler is more is in her seventeen year old wisdom <laughs> is much more savvy than this twenty year old Evan Rachel Wood who like can't keep her shit together. No, I think she's. <laughs> I mean, I, and that's not to say that like you know it's not difficult to go through this experience or anything like that. I'm not trying to be cavalier about no, it. No, I'm but... just saying it's a very bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that she's is just a terrible. A, she's a ingenue she trope. So badly written. It reflects very poorly on everybody who wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't seem clever. She doesn't bring ideas to the campaign. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why she should have as much face time as she an intern as she does. Agency. There was nobody advocating for that character in the writer's room is what the problem yeah. is. She should have had... she should. There should have been some strength in that character. Or if that character had to be completely without any strength mm-hmm. or power, then they needed another character added to the script that was the woman. Well, that was woman. Marissa Tomei. I think the impression was Marissa Tomei oh, is the strong female character. She's but even there. then, she's corrupt. She's, she's corrupt. corrupt. And yeah, she everyone's also corrupt. publishes Zilcho in that yeah. movie. Well, she is able to publish the... She the, published the wrong story, Yeah, the story, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the, after a long discussion about whether to squelch it or who to send, like... She is totally subject to the male characters providing mm-hmm. the story Fair to her enough. and telling her what to publish. Fair enough. And yeah, Rachel Wood is one step removed from that. Yeah, she doesn't actually do any um, journalistic <laughs> work. She's relying on the tips that are given to her by these campaign people. Her character is... Okay, so she doesn't do anything important on the campaign. She's mm-hmm. a Just intern. intern. She's, yeah. She has a scene where she walks into the office and implies, I want you come to a bar. Well, uh, let's he be clear. Oh, well, no, let me go through all the scenes. <laughs> she's also an intern because her dad is the DNC chair. Right. She also is not given that job because of right. her skills. It's never implied she knows anything. I don't know so, if interns are ever given their jobs because of skills. <laughs> <laughs> her go- definitely not. Sorry, interns. Love you. <laughs> she goes to a bar and seduces him. Mm-hmm. She continues to have a relationship with him and... He finds out she is pregnant, and that's also, the end of that. Sexual assault, probably by the governor, based on the way she describes uh, their inner their that encounter. That was the only thing I didn't yeah. think was described. She said, "I mean, he's thirty years her senior." Yeah, but listen, it's definitely 
there's, it's not good. There's um, some power dynamic problems. The way she describes it is, I went to go deliver him something and he closed the door I think behind she, me. I think her whole point was like, they were having a conversation and she was enamored and sort of enraptured in this you know, interaction yeah. they were having and then he closed the door and she was like, all right, why not? Like I, she, she, really, she was, it as she a was good drunk time. enough. Yeah. She was, she was really fond of She him. said she wasn't that drunk, but she was I mean, drunk none enough. None of that is like, I <laughs> love him. He's the best. No, but I, no. I don't think, I don't think he, I don't think I would consider it sexual assault. It's, it's definitely not. Well, it's, it's, it's he's her boss. But yeah, because yes, no, we, exactly. It's, there's definitely, yeah. it's right, inappropriate. But she didn't make it sound like he forced her. No, she no. wanted right. to. And it's she, not a rape. But it's no. not clear if she wasn't, it's not clear if she was forced, quote unquote, because of just the fact that he was so high up in the food chain and she was like, maybe this would be beneficial to right. my career. It's, it's unclear. Well. It's unclear. Or maybe she thought this is a way to please dad. I have no idea. But, the movie gives you no evidence to. <laughs> like, to I don't know. Maybe she's out. like, Dad, I bagged one. I thought she's a bagged president. Way to go. I don't know. I think she's also just one of the idealists and sort of like was. I think you're giving taken that by character more credit than uh, it's given by the writer who wrote is, it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, my. My point in trying to say what scene she was in and what she did in those scenes was basically to say she was just a hollow shell. She's a puzzle of piece. A, to this of a character. Plot. She's yeah. a pawn to move around to get in a position where you would have dirt that would ruin somebody's campaign. Right. I mean, that's it, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's... It could have equally have been he murdered someone and covered it up, but it would have been harder for Ryan Gosling's character to have figured that out right. than to have someone be like, yeah, it's X and I'm pregnant. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's an easy yeah. dirt Which tab is so on weird someone. because I felt like the second her character was introduced, I was like, yep, this is going to be a trouble mm-hmm. for the governor. Like... Oh yeah, it was just yeah. jailbait. Super, it was yeah. super. She's so like, pretty. <laughs> projected, you know, telegraphed really early in yeah. the film. Yeah, and I they did, I did think of Charlie Wilson's horror actually yeah. a little bit with the characters, the female characters in that movie that were all just like. I mean, we we talked about it at yeah. length. Yeah, yeah. sure, <laughs> they're all bad. Um, the uh, no, but they again with the cynicism of this movie is it becomes very cyclical, you know? The movie opens with Ryan Gosling sort of <laughs> giving a speech and talking, and then the first way we're introduced to Evan Rachel Wood's character is she's carrying coffee in as an intern to the campaign. And the way the movie ends is with another pretty young intern oh, carrying she's, coffee. But she's a brunette, she's right? right? That's an important caveat. She's a brunette. <laughs> she might have been a redhead. Hey, no, okay. And then and carrying into the campaign, and then we go into, like, Ryan Gosling, go, he's about to go on to a... You know, news interview, and it's, a, it's like the whole everything continues. And mm-hmm. I had a very knows? brief moment while watching this, where I was like, "If Evan Rachel's Wood, Evan Rachel Wood's character was played by a young, handsome man, this movie would have actually been better. <laughs> would have actually made more <laughs> sense because it'd yeah. been like, well, the sexual politics wouldn't have quite played out the same way, but all the scandal would have been there, mm. and it wouldn't have been like, well, she's a the one." female character who sucks and is weak and doesn't have any agency. I mean, I still think that, like, there's a lot of problematic sexual oh, yeah. dynamics there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because of the age and the power imbalance. Yeah. I mean... Oh, it, it'd still all be and... there, but at least you would have... But then I think people wouldn't focus on it. I think it would be, yeah, right? you know, salacious right. sort of homophobia. I still think sure. there should be a murder. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought of. Yeah. I 100% thought but of how much do you guys think that is because of the Clinton hyperbole... And generations of being like they murdered people. Oh no, I thought that was totally from the movie. Yeah, implying like she didn't have a what I thought was a good excuse to kill herself. You know, it was never I think implied you're really that, overestimating twenty year olds. Then that may be. <laughs> like, uh, I was 
surprised that she was able to overdose on pills given to her that by her stupid. doctor. That was That was bad writing. And there was a scene with her, there, the scene with Ryan Gosling and George Clooney, he suggests like, well, I think it might have been a suicide. And George Clooney is not like, what are you implying? He's like, hmm. Well, I think the point is, was it, I don't think that he's implying that it was murder there. I think right. he's saying it was either a suicide or accidental. Yeah. She definitely, but she the definitely police said it was these, accidental. Yeah. Sure. She but when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is a murder, and now he's bringing it up, and no, nobody's because the, the police have no. declared it an accident, and Gosling is saying they only think it's an accident because I took the note. Otherwise, I know it's suicide, and you're going to get in trouble. And Clooney's like, shrug, maybe it was suicide, shrug, maybe it was an accident. Oh, also, you can't prove it I, either I way. thought it would have been a more fun movie, so that was what I was maybe. hoping it was going to be like, <laughs> oh, it's a murder, that, and he's going to have to... I don't think that's what they meant. What, how could the it. movie become fun at that point? Yeah, it was, it was already, it was already at the very... That's why I had <laughs> yeah, to, like, that's why I had to take a beat and be like, how far along in the movie are we? How many minutes do we like have left? It's still like 25 minutes after that. And I was it like, wasn't that much. And I, and then I re- I realized that it wasn't no, going to all yeah, it's I all thought it was going to be a Bob point. Roberts where like, oh, he finds out that George Clooney is... Don't spoil um, Bob Roberts. We haven't watched it yet. I was going to say, George Clooney <laughs> must be a murderer, like a really bad person, and he's going to have to decide whether he's going to corrupt himself that much. Oh, no. The movie was... No, no, it's not that, not that fun. The movie was just 20-year-olds are fragile... Or at least and, like push her in front of a train, like you know. Oh, yeah, right. let, let's not let's not get into that's, uh, that's House the of Cards. But that's the whole problem I had with the like cyclical nature of this, and them showing two more interns at the end, one bringing in coffee and one Don't getting a that. phone, and it's very much like, oh, he's gonna get in trouble again because women. <laughs> they oh. Eyes, Eyes of March Part Two. They're, they're so trouble. They're but... so hard to like avoid them. Oh no, I have no. They're everywhere. He has no control, and neither yeah. do they. Yeah. Yeah, but he was, he wasn't free of the first one. Right, he wasn't free of Evan Rachel. I can't know why Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, he wasn't free <laughs> of world. that scandal because those things always come back. They come back in you know in real life. Sure. Five years from now, George Clooney's character, somebody's gonna uncover that that happened, and yeah. So maybe that's why Ryan Gosling owns well, George Clooney in a way, right? That's why it's really funny when Clooney was like, "Oh, so you're saddling me to." You, to you for eight years and he's yeah. like four years don't get ahead so, <laughs> yeah, right. like, I don't know if you'll outlive this yeah. <laughs> this movie yeah. sucked yeah, it, was <laughs> was that good? it was a very bad movie I think and it, it explains could why... have been a very good movie yeah sure I expected a lot if it, yes if it had some women it in has the, the best cast yes. there are a lot of really good people in this including Evan Rachel Wood yeah had she done Paul anything prior to prior she, to this? was she in yeah. Ghost World no, no that was Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson, yeah, Thor. She was in um, uh, across the universe. In, yeah. in the book. <laughs> I'm gonna just put this out. Next time, Sean needs a microphone. <laughs> yeah, right. I know she was in Across the Universe, but I don't know if that was oh, before yeah. or after sure. 2011. But maybe she was just. <laughs> maybe, Look, maybe, oh, she's a good actress. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. George Clooney's is a George Clooney's a good actor. Uh, Ryan Gosling's good-ish. Paul Giamatti and C- Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman are both great. I mean, great. the Academy Award great. power in that is crazy. Yeah. Like, the number of people who've won Academy Awards in that cast. Why was this on the blacklist? Why was this script on the blacklist? The script in this is terrible. Because it could have been a really great movie, and it wa- just wasn't. Like, yeah, just... but it wasn't the script that was the problem. It, wasn't the act- it was the script that was the problem. It wasn't it was the well, actor. we don't know what changed between when the script was yeah. originally written and when it got greenlit. Like, it's George Clooney's fault, no matter how you slice it, because he wrote it and directed it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, we don't know what it took compromise-wise to get it made. Yeah. Not a good I don't. Movie. Is anybody familiar with the play? I don't know how much has changed. Oh, it was based on a play? A, a play. Yes, it definitely was based on I a play. I didn't know that. And I remember thinking yeah. to myself, like, wow, 
how do you even do the scene changes in that? There's so many scene changes in this. If you look on the IMDb trivia page, it does say that there were a lot of other famous actors who were attached to this who kind of like dropped it, like Leonardo DiCaprio and there are like two or three other really Academy Award winning people who were like mm. attached to it and then couldn't make it for scheduling conflicts. Good for them. Yeah, right. You just dodged, <laughs> dodged the bullet. bullet. Exactly. But yeah, it's a rotten, rotten movie across yeah. the board. I mean, it, I watched it all. I didn't have to. Yeah, it wasn't leave. a struggle to watch. <laughs> I, I kept mean, waiting it was for something cool to happen. Right. It was a little. Well, boring. that's why I think it was supposed to be a movie for people who like politics. It's very like inside yeah. baseball. You have to like the campaigning and the making choices and ooh, who outsmarts the other guy Did sort of you? nature of it, which is that would have been mm-hmm. actually a, a more interesting movie if they had. You know, really sort of like tried to, yeah, yeah, tried to like really outfox the other campaign versus out politic them. You know what I mean? I had a very hard time watching this movie now in mm-hmm. 2018, <laughs> enjoying the politics as a game part of this that I know I would have loved three years ago and didn't think was very much fun now. Did you have that same experience where like the fact that they're like, oh, well, I'm going to do this move and that'll get me in here. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, because it's kind of like the they're demonstrating the reason why we have what we... Why the, we have corrupt, The current jerks. situation, as I like to refer to it, <laughs> is because people got fed up with that. And they've been yeah. fed up with it for a long time. We're fed up with the, this is all just a game. Well, it's not a game because it affects actual... It affects me. It affects yeah. everybody at the bottom level. Yeah. Now it affects me and it's bad and I don't like it. It affected you before. Yeah, but now I know. Right. <laughs> I, now yeah. I, know. I feel like sometimes that's not the movie's fault <laughs> that we're projecting. Right. No, it's not. I Because I, no, I, I went the other way with it where I was upset, like I brought up earlier, with the sort of idealism of it. Mm-hmm. That like a lot of people who refused to be involved in the general election because they were upset with the primary sure. because the general candidate wasn't perfect enough for them. Oh, and, I could see that, sure. And that really frustrated me because I was like, the whole idea that Clooney is no longer a worthy candidate to support on his merits because he made a mistake yeah. is really cynical to me and there shouldn't be the sort of, you know, purity requirement of politicians they're people too now that doesn't mean they can make all the mistakes and that we can't hold them accountable <laughs> they can't have abortions but, with but their right, interns like but just the well, idea I mean, that like so i there's think no ideal candidate out I, there I is think reasonable the, with, with the, the idea of like well, you know why can't we stomach a candidate who is uh has cheated on his wife or something mm-hmm. like that is that what you're what no you're no saying? no not even just that just someone who like just any flaw is a be-all end-all like some flaw, sure. there, there's a spectrum of flaws, and not all of them are deal breakers. Sure, sure. But it Nicole's feels like <laughs> it feels like in this political climate, yeah. any flaw yeah. is a deal breaker. Apparently not, though. Yeah, well, right. I mean, I, I have to say for the Democratic Party, <laughs> because that's who this movie was about, and that's what I'm familiar with. Sure, yeah. People holding a sort of litmus test for yeah. like who who they will actually back. I mean, that is the problem. I think I had with it was the idea that like. Oh no, he got an intern pregnant. Yeah, maybe like, we're that just would have mattered a couple years it. ago, and now I'm like, yeah, it's just uh, clearly it doesn't. Like the mm. the most recent election that I was following was be- against a pedophile, and he <laughs> just barely <laughs> lost. And it's like, yeah, the times have changed, yeah. and the so the, things the, I've the movie about. just the the travesty in the movie doesn't scale. But again, imagine if the Democrat in that race right. had been the pedophile. The pedophile was a Republican. It and that's what difference. I'm saying. It does make and a difference. And that's my problem with like the threshold of you know, but it's purity. Still, this <laughs> well, movie still felt like from a different time where like 
oh, I need to be concerned about this. This is the, the <laughs> thing I need to be worried about is like, oh, well, he met with the opposing side. Yeah. Like, I think we both had a same, the same problem with it, but like, yeah, for different right, in different reasons. ways. But <laughs> like, absolutely. you didn't care, and for me, I was like, oh my god, people still care about that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think it's weird that I mean, I'm trying to kind of parse, sorry, <laughs> kind of parse this idea that I mean, I I understand why Democratic candidates, I mean, the people that they're appealing to, have a higher standard apparently of moral uh, right correctness, right? Sure. Although, Maybe. sort of. I mean, we well, don't really I think, know, I think honestly. they like to think they do. I don't know. If... I mean, that's what we fight about. Yeah. It's like yeah. a Republican pedophile, except that the Republicans will peddle that person as that's all. That, that's now, all fake. Right that's now. Not true. Yeah. It's hard because we're in a new place where things are, where language is different and people say things differently. Mm-hmm. It was not always the case that Republicans would just say, He's not a pedophile. That didn't happen. That's wrong. That's fake. Somebody lied to you. They would have to deal with the truth. And now they're just not bothering to deal with the truth. Yes. And it definitely is extreme because in the opening of the movie, you sort of um, see this montage, not montage, um, this collection of news clippings Mm -hmm. along the wall with editorial cartoons sort of representing the campaign up to that point. And one of them references a lot of what's part of this movie is that George Clooney's character is sort of an atheist who won't admit to being an atheist and they focus on the religion part of it and one of the editorial cartoons um calls him Mike air quote John Kerry Morris (laughs) about flip-flopping on religion Mm -hmm. and I thought it's so interesting that being someone who evolves on policy was sort of what was a hot button issue back then versus now (laughs) when it's it's on a day-to-day. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I agree with you, Nicole, generally. I do think it's funny that, like, in the world of politics now, the debate is between, like, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton, neither of whom are necessarily going to run for I don't election think you should again. say now. Well, no, I think in terms of, like, who has the heart of the Democrats and, like, going forward, who, who controls the party? When we talk about, like, the the purity of their policies, right. which is like, I guess I would probably lean Bernie Sanders, but there are definitely a lot of things that he believes that I don't agree with. But the idea that like, those are the two candidates that we're dealing with, because my general feeling is like the democratic uh, field is not great. I, w- I think I'm having problems with your language because we're not dealing with those two candidates. They're dead. These two candidates are well, not. They're not dead. I, I think well, they're not literally I think it's dead, like, but who they're. Who has the heart? Where are, where is the DNC going to go from this? Right. Which, Which policies direction are they are we going, going to? We need, we need the young blood. Do, we need yeah, and, new... and that's the battle. Right. It yeah. feels like do there's we a need someone, huge vacuum. Do we need actually. someone more pragmatic? Who is you know? I guess. Well, I guess what I would say is that the character that George Clooney is playing in this does not, to me, match up to no anyone. No. Which is part of the problem here. Where I'm like, who is the young, hip, progressive candidate who's like? Oh, well, he's so young and inexperienced, but he's so progressive. I'm like, I don't know. Nobody? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> There's no. nobody who's like, like oh, I'm an was, atheist, but, but I'm wishy-washy When the movie it. came out, that was sort of the Obama right. character. Mm, That's so why I feel worked. like it's out of, out, like, a little outdated watching it now. I'm like, this is not the politics of And even, actually, even uh, the posters, the campaign posters were, were very, yeah, very Obama. Obama. I was going to comment Obama. on that. Yeah. So, so Obama style, yeah. yeah. According to IMDb, the poster of Obama, the Hope poster, is mm-hmm. of him watching George Clooney <laughs> in a, <laughs> at a speech. So this was oh, them geez. doing Weird. the other way around. Yeah, That is just... Wow. It's too much. <laughs> yeah, isn't that gross? It's too much. That's too meta for me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
But yeah, that that was the problem. Was like I just I don't see the current political landscape in this movie just across the board. I mean, it, it, I feel like the the face in the crowd has more relevance. Yes. Oh my gosh, I right? would agree. One of the That's striking the, things from yeah. that movie was when they were talking about how people when they were trying to coach the senator on being more likable yeah they were like people don't want to hear your policies don't they use your big ass words bites. yeah and i was like oh my gosh back in the 50s people were still yep wanting clips. reduce it to mottos oh, like small little gosh. slogans and that's, that's stri- striking because i sort of consider that a new phenomenon and mm. i guess it's just not. Guess not well it's also funny to me because in the face in the crowd i took this as like oh this main character who i thought was a villain is also kind of an idiot or like there's a Trump aspect of this where, like, he is very charismatic and people like him, but also he doesn't really care. No, I think he doesn't care about Trump. what any anyone who proposes something to him, it's like, well, how do I benefit from this? Okay, that's yeah. cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a policy that he's trying to push, but he's like, no, he doesn't have his own agenda. Down. Yeah. Um, he does, I think, his I own think, agenda I think is self promotion. Yeah. When, yeah, when he's saying clever or smart, I think yeah. he means he doesn't have. His lonesome doesn't have his own agenda. No, he definitely push. was. He's looking for a good idea. Sort yeah, of appealing yeah. When to people the are mad at him, he's like, "I guess I'll just quit then because yeah, I don't care." Exactly. I didn't, but I also just didn't think he was dumb. I just think he realized that was the best way to do it. Whereas I think Trump is dumb. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, I would say. I mean, my I think that they had this in common in that they both wanted to pop Trump and Lonesome Roads mm-hmm. are common yeah. in this respect. They found a message that people responded to, and then yeah. they just went with it. They're just going to keep not, doing it. Right. So they had, there's a skill there. Mm-hmm. There's a yes. skill of recognition and being able to build on the uh, build on the perfection of the message that yes. you're giving that yeah. makes people even more excited about it. The difference between <laughs> Trump and Lonesome Roads is that in the movie, Lonesome Roads actually had mass appeal, mm-hmm. whereas Trump only has... Appeal to just a enough. specific, uh, just enough, yeah. yeah, just enough appeal. Yeah, um, but he feeds off of that. He feeds off. But they both do. That, that right. is the other both thing. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely well, self-promotion. <laughs> self-promotion is really all know. that they're both good at and interested in. Yeah. Um, I just think that Lonesome Dove made that choice. Lonesome Dove, sorry, Lonesome Rose. Made that choice, you know, like he he could have done something else, but he didn't right. need to. Right. Whereas I don't think Trump has any other skills. No, he's than just doing whatever is um, there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the difference. Sure, I'll, I'll, I agree with you on that. I also but think we should just them, call him Lonesome Dove. That's now. the other thing is one of them is a construct of some people's ideas about about what could Ooh. happen. This hadn't happened before. Well, it kind of had. So the Lonesome Roads character, there's various influences on this movie. One of them is Huey P. Long, obviously, sure. who we've talked about before. Last episode, I think. Yeah. He was the governor of Louisiana. He was a populist. He did a lot of good things for poor people, but he also did a lot of graft. And, did a lot of good things for himself. Rich. Um, and he probably would have been our president, or potentially, if he hadn't been assassinated. So the, he was an influence on this. One of the mm-hmm. other things that probably influenced this was the McCarthy hearings. Mm-hmm. So both the director and the writer for of um, oh no, did they get a face trombos? Did no, they, they get did trombone? not get tromboed. They cooperated. <laughs> Ilya Kazan, when he he was called to testify the first time, he didn't cooperate. The second time, he did cooperate. And they uh, Ilya Kazan had been a member of the Communist Party for a short period of time and Ooh. became very disillusioned with it because. Basically, they took away all your freedoms, <laughs> and he didn't sure. like that. He wanted to have his American freedoms. Um, I should probably also mention that he was an immigrant. Uh, he was a child. 
Um, he reminds me a little bit of the Frank Capra story, except that the movies that they make are quite different, mm-hmm. other than that they both made movies that are very... I'm not. This movie doesn't feel patriotic. A face in a crowd doesn't feel patriotic, mm-hmm. but the motives behind it are, you know, look at this. You need to think about this to to preserve democracy, right? So I was looking through that that you have that uh, Elian Kazan. Elia Kazan. Oh yeah. His that was the only collection. Way from, so and I was you, reading through the booklet, and almost every single movie movie in there is has some sort of American political right. Theme. He made a lot of movies with political themes. Um, uh, one of the things, one of the things that comes in that disc set. All right. So first, the reason that I bought that disc set is when we do these podcasts, I want to have a physical disc because I don't want to have to rely on my it's network streaming. connection, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just in case. Um, but it was very difficult to get a disc of this movie. My choices were pay seventy five dollars for a disc of A Face in the Crowd, which is not on Blu Ray. Somebody should fix that. Um, Or buy that collection, which is the Elia Kazan collection, curated by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, right. For like $35. So I got the whole set. Oh, 35 bucks. There's a lot of good movies in there. Yeah, a lot of good movies in there. Um, So one of the discs that comes in that set is a, I'm not going to say it's a documentary. It's basically Martin Scorsese sitting in front of standing in front of a desk telling you how much he loves Elie Kazan <laughs> and Elie Kazan movies and why I mean On the Waterfront is great there was another movie Those, in there where I was like yeah that's good right. so one of the points that he made in that in that movie or maybe he got it from Elie Kazan as a quote is that pre-Huac he made a lot of movies pre-Huac some of them were Huac House on American Activities Committee. Okay. Uh, pre, before you can't that, just say who I can expect me to know what you mean. Before he uh, testified, mm-hmm. he made, he still made message movies. He made a movie called Pinky, which is about a black woman, played by a white actress, mm-hmm. uh, who I passes for white. I noticed a couple of those in that booklet. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gentleman's Agreement, it's Gregory Peck, and he is, I can't remember what, I think he might be a lawyer, but basically he, he, um, decides to pretend that he's Jewish to see what it's mm-hmm. like to be Jewish. Yeah. He's not Jewish, but he goes through a per, you know, goes through his life a certain por- portion of his life saying I am a Jewish man and so that he can find out what that means. Spoiler alert, it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> That's what he learned. <laughs> I could have told, told him that. Was like, <laughs> seems as a Jewish person, do you have like anything you want to weigh in on this? I think, I mean, that just seems so obvious. I don't know what he, like, expected the result to be. Well, I think he expect. I think that the character expected it to be bad, but he, there was a point to him doing it to prove something to other people. Um, but anyway, that's the theme of that movie. I don't think Elia Kazan was Jewish. He he was probably Catholic, would be my guess, just because he's a Greek immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, his last movie that he made is called America, America, and it's basically about his uncle's immigration to America. <coughs> and he was, you know, like Frank Capra, he was very proud of being an American mm-hmm. because of everything that that meant in the time period that he, you know, that he experienced it. Right. It meant going from abject poverty to opportunity. It was a great uh, thing for... For immigrants. I mean, one of the things that made me think about was the fact that immigrants are really the most American people. <laughs> They're the people who love America the most. Yeah, yeah they chose. That's why they came <laughs> here. They weren't yeah. born here. I was I was actually having a conversation with uh, with Sean. Um, it was either who? this week. 
audience member Sean, <laughs> uh, either either this week or, or last week, about just how dejected I felt given our current political climate for all of these reasons you just described. I'm an immigrant. I moved to the States when I was nine years old. I didn't become a citizen until 20, 2016. It was, so it was my first election that I got to got to actually participate and vote. And I was like, yeah, let's let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. putting in putting in my vote. I was being like patriotic and like, go America, go. And um, and then, you know, everybody knows what happened next. <laughs> um, we great, right? <laughs> uh, we actually just came back from from vacation. We spent a week in uh, in Iceland in an Airbnb. And one of our fellow Airbnb guests was a Frenchman. And every morning we had breakfast with him and we invariably ended up talking about politics mm-hmm. in our broken combination of Spanish, French, and English. <laughs> we, we actually got really into really, really meaningful conversations about about the current political climate. And um, every, every day once we finished our breakfast, I would just feel so just dejected and crappy and kind of embarrassed that we have Donald Trump as our president. Mm-hmm. And when I was saying that to Sean, he was like, I didn't feel embarrassed. He didn't feel he and and it was it was to mm. our our conversation really started to pivot around the fact that I was really proud to be an American. Mm-hmm. This is new for me and I'm so passionate about this identity that I've chosen. found, that I've chosen exactly. It's something that I've opted into and it's what I want for myself and I felt really protective about that. So when I heard this French guy, you know, talking shit about my president, although objectively it's all very, very true, it really <laughs> hurt my my heart. It hurt my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of I feel that. So, Eli Kazan, mm-hmm. <laughs> represent. <laughs> sure. I feel you. <laughs> uh, the other thing that, that they said, this is on a different, kind of in a different line, but, the you know, he talked about how he clung to his wife, who I think was named Molly, um, <gasps> crossover <laughs> um, because she was um, she was so American so you know she's like I can't remember her name but it's something like Molly McGee or you know mm. some very Smith. white name yeah. um, and he clung to her because she was so American um, uh, while having dalliances on the side but nothing serious oh, so very Lonesome Roads and yeah. Molly <laughs> yeah and, and the Mel character the writer character is supposedly based on Bud Schulberg, the guy who wrote the script, mm. that that Walter Matthau kind of represents him in this scenario. Um, now, did I say that they both cooperated? So they oh, had, you did mention yeah, they cooperated. I, I might have. I mean, I had to pee at some point during <laughs> right. this conversation, so who knows right. what... So I had said a few things. Jacob had to leave. <laughs> then we came back and really I had started leave. trying to pick up where I left off. But I was... Uh, and that was, you know, it was kind of... Who back? Right. So a gentleman's agreement was before the testimony. Then he made a series of much more, uh, much bigger pictures, things Mm. that we're really familiar with, like On the Waterfront, which is supposedly about, well, it is about union breaking or unions. But there's a scene in On the Waterfront where the Marlon, at the end, where the Marlon Brando character testifies against the, uh, you know, the mobsters or whatever that are pressuring him, which is sort of representative of, you know, testifying before the House on Americans committee and mm. doing what right. you think is the right thing. Um, what but, is the House on Americans? I'm, I'm not familiar about this. So it's McCarthyism. 
Okay. They are searching for communists where no communists can be got found. It, basically. Got it. Okay. It was the original witch hunt. Yeah. Joe McCarthy, who was the senator from somewhere, said, I I have a list of all the communists secretly. He, oh, and it was a laundry list, by the way. Or yeah. it was like his shopping list. Yeah. He got just, in front yeah, of a he got in front of some women's organization and said I'm holding in my hand a list of like 200 communist names Secret that have. Communists. And Ilya that Kazan have, was on that list. He, no, so it go, it gets a lot more complicated. <laughs> a lot of Hollywood people. <laughs> yes, I know where all the Hollywood liberals. No, are but that's not originally communist. what he said. They had infiltrated the government. Yeah. Yes. So that's. But then he, you know, this they well, called a whole bunch of people in Hollywood to testify. People like Ronald Reagan were cooperative. John Wayne, mm-hmm. all these very conservative. Hollywood people, and a lot of people didn't want to give up names. They had a choice of either, I'm going to give up people, I'm not going to give up people and lose my career, or I'm going to take the fifth. And the fifth wasn't, you know, the other thing that they did was, that the WHO Act did was step all over people's uh, constitutional rights. They weren't free to speak. Uh, They would, you know, whoever was running the committee would speak, but not allow the person being asked to testify to speak violating their first amendment rights and then if they took the fifth they would be in contempt of court and they were jailed yeah so it was bad <laughs> it was yes. a, it was a bad time in american history not the only bad yeah. time we've ever suffered through um but yeah they were what? afraid of <laughs> what do you mean they were very apparently Firebomb. we were afraid of communists at the yeah. time right. and because uh, it I was mean, it was the cold war we still are we're yeah. afraid of are we afraid of communists I mean, I mean, the Russians are cool. But they're not communists anymore. Although, well, apparently, mean, Putin the wishes who, they were. <laughs> the people who were afraid of communists back then are of the same political mindset as people who conflate communism and socialism and anything that's, yeah, that's, right. that's right. left of center. So, basically, mm-hmm. we're, we, somebody's afraid of the left. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, so, anyway, Elaine Kazan and Bud Schoblerger were both part, were both briefly members of the Communist Party. His testimony basically ended the careers of two or three people. Um, a playwright named Odette, whose first or last name I can't remember right now. His career was basically ended by Eli Kazan's. There's that so, movie Trumbo, which is basically right. about this, starring Trumbo. Uh, Brian Cranston. Right. Brian Cranston. Yeah. yeah, Trumbo is about the ten guys who claimed the fifth and who were held in contempt. Yeah. The okay. Hollywood Ten? Is that what they're called? Something like uh, that, yeah. Well, that's catchy. There's a lot of numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So later, Elian Kazan was given a a Lifetime Achievement Oscar. Some people didn't stand up for that. Unlike, you know, Charlie Chaplin, who came back. Oh, so on this podcast, we've talked about three people involved in this so Mm -hmm. far. Um, Paul Robeson, basically, his career was on hold for like nine years. He couldn't leave the country. He couldn't perform. He, previous to that, was an internationally famous star. Mm-hmm. But because he wouldn't testify... And what movie a... was that we watched with him? Uh, that was the interracial marriage one, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, borderline. Uh, right. Charlie Chaplin was exiled from the United States and came back many years later to get his uh, his Lifetime Achievement Award. People stood up and gave the longest ovation of all time, which is like seven minutes long of people applauding him. And mm-hmm. then we have Elia Kazan, for whom some people stood up and others refused. And there yeah. were protesters outside when he received his award. That was, I mean, not recent, recent, but that was fairly recent in 10, 15 years ago? I don't know. Because I, I remember that. I remember what a mm-hmm. big deal it was 
the protests that were happening. And what was the uproar? Why? He's because a he be- because, no, no, I think it's because, because he, he gave up in. names. Yeah. He gave up oh, like 15 names. Oh, strong enough. He gave up uh, 15 names or so, some of whom had already been given up, so there were like three or four on that Mm. list whose careers he ended, basically. Mm, I see. Okay. Yeah. Including the... The The playwright. The playwright. Odette, who was also one of the founding members of the theater group, which was the predecessor to the actors... Screen Actors Guild? No, Mm. the uh, actor studio. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, full circle. Yep. Where Bradley Cooper... Was yes, famously, famously discovered. <laughs> discovered. <laughs> That's what I know. Aside from uh, what's his face, James Lipton. James Lipton. Mm. Yeah, Bradley Cooper, who stood up and asked the question inside the actor studio as a young man, saying, "How do I get into this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look handsome. That's the yeah, right. it doesn't matter. Have, have a face like yours, <laughs> and then play a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, right. All right. What did you do for the cocktail this week? It was wait. Oh, no. do we do plugs first? Yeah, plugs first. Oh, sorry. The cocktail is supposed to be a teaser. I got a lot of <laughs> plugs, so. You want to go first then? Yeah, I will do the quick rundown. I got three plugs. First of all, Third Act Saviors, the other podcast I'm on. It's excellent. It is a bad movie podcast where we come up <laughs> with a new ending to a bad movie. The most recent movie we watched was Power Rangers. That'll be oh. released probably, a, well, I'm from guess- when we're recording this, a week from I'm now. guessing the next one is going to be uh, Ides of March. You know, we, <laughs> yeah. we were, so, we're supposed to do the date. We've this is oh, to, yes. We're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, which I didn't know hey. was St. Patrick's Day, but apparently it is. It's March of- 17th, 2018. That's right. So when we recorded this, the most recent episode we recorded of Third Act <laughs> Saviors was Power Rangers. By the time this is released, who knows? Uh, I am going to make a concerted effort to get us closer to real time. Right. <laughs> but we're a little off at this um, point. Go back and listen to the episode where we did the snowman. Let's let's do it that way. Uh, that's plug number one. <laughs> plug number two is an anti-plug. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm Don't here for go it. to my old law firm, Helios Law Group, which I've plugged many times. Go contact me directly, I guess, <laughs> or someone else for your legal needs. Uh, <laughs> All right. Sorry, and that's how it part. is. Um, and I just recently saw Game Night. It was really funny. Oh, good. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it quite I'll a bit. Watch Game Night. Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Those are my three plugs. Okay. All right. You want to plug something? I, 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 I have no plugs. <laughs> All right. Well, I will plug. Um, sure. I recently saw Annihilation, and I thought it was great. And I'm I agree. Very much upset that uh, whoever was in charge of distributing it didn't have enough faith in American audiences to enjoy it because it was super enjoyable and I think it should have been more widely oh, spread. So good. Yeah, like just uh, just from top to bottom, great cast, beginning to end, great story. Mm-hmm. Um, just yeah, super good movie. If I think you you'll have, enjoy it if you get the chance to see it. If you have a way to watch if you have a way to VPN your computer into another country, if you are not it's in America, <laughs> you can watch it on Netflix right now. Um, Otherwise, you have to go see it in a movie theater. Wait, what do you have to? So wait, you can watch Annihilation on Netflix in other countries. They did. Right yes. They didn't release it in theaters. They gave it straight to Netflix in other countries. That's right. It's weird. Uh, I know. So how do you, you watch it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to sort of trick your computer into thinking uh, it's from a different IP address that's from that another works. country, yeah. and using yeah, and using. <laughs> you know that netflix got it sure address. yeah i did i did notice that my my netflix account in iceland had way different titles yep. <laughs> than netflix here and i was like it's wild i added a bunch are. of stuff while i was in iceland and i come home and none of that is on my watch nope. list anymore I'm like god damn it 
<laughs> That's um, also, speaking of good movies, sort of about the communist scare, um, I think an underrated Coen Brothers movie is Hail Caesar. And oh, people should check that out. Good. It was, I, I thought, like really funny. Another George Clooney plug. Another George Clooney plug. <laughs> um, a, a good one. A, yeah, a, good a better one. one. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, also it sort of will give you an introduction to the guy who's about to play Han Solo in the standalone sure. Han Solo film titled Solo. He was funny in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Not a great title, but, you know. He's anyway. the, go- the goofy guy who's like the, the yokel. Oh, you mean the... Um, if it twer. <laughs> yeah. If only it twer. Or if it twer. He was, he was representing a specific uh, he's the, black and white... Yeah, he's uh, the like aura. cowboy sort of... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's like a specific one that did horse stunts and yeah. could sing yep. or whatever. Yeah, anyway, okay. so anyway, enjoyable, fun movie. And then um, recently I watched, I don't think it's super new for when we're recording this, mm-hmm. but it was new to me, um, Altered Carbon on Netflix. Yeah. I really, should I watch that? Yes. Is that good? Yes. Uh, except for the last Listen, episode. It's, it's, whoa, whoa, it's not whoa. perfect, Spoilers. Spoilers. but okay. it is hey, very it enjoyable. I think it's very binge worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so check it out, guys. Yeah. That reminded me of something. Go go watch Ugly Delicious on Netflix. Um Karen has been <laughs> Karen has been watching it. If We've you want somebody who, well. who has the immigrant experience and makes that mm. kind of a core part oh, yeah. of this movie of this show, that. that is a good place to go. He interviews a lot of um, right. You should probably give the give immigrants. a description of what the show is. Dave Chang is a famous restaurant, mm-hmm. is a famous chef and restaurateur. He goes around the country and other countries interviewing chefs about the food that they do each episode is about a specific dish you typically so like tacos is one or barbecue is one so where does he fall between guy fieri and anthony bourdain we're in that range he's at 50 percent between the two (laughs) if i had to put him i would put him way far away from guy fieri though he's no guy fieri so i have not watched every episode with karen but the episode i watched where it was viet cajun Mm. was really cool and interesting and also has a very uncomfortable confrontation is that the wasn't that the uh that was the crawdad one yes where it is him talking to people in Texas? No, he, New Orleans. He was in Austin and Louisiana. Where they do Cajun food, but it's also a heavy Vietnamese Not in Louisiana. population where they're doing v- Vietnamese crawdads, That's basically. In, I, I might have it right. It's either Austin or Houston. And then he oh. also goes to Vietnam and interviews a woman who traveled the other way and mm. is doing Cajun food in Vietnam. I'm very hungry right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he also has a sit down with a immigrant family who's like, well, we did it the right way. So other immigrants, tough shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he has a yeah. difficult time kind of parsing that emotional response he has with you them. Get the You get the definite impression that the family in, it's the Texans. Yeah, right? I think they're from Texas. That they voted for Trump. Yeah, in fact, wearing, I think one of them's wearing, maybe wearing a magazine. Yeah, I think so. And he's like trying to deal with like, hey, you guys went through a really hard experience, but I don't agree with yeah. you. <laughs> right. They're basically saying immigrants don't come here anymore because we're full up is okay. yeah, kind of the message. Yeah, don't come back. We're immigrants, but there shouldn't be any more. Right, we is, did it the right way. Yeah, and he tries very hard to walk a tightrope of conversation. Yeah, because yes. you want to be like respectful of right. the people you're talking with. It's but. a really interesting <laughs> and good episode. The food looks awesome. The Cajun, Viet Cajun it's food is... It's not Cajun food. It's crawdad specifically. It is, oh. but the, the way they <laughs> but describe it is Cajun crawdad. It's, it's fusion food. Yeah, that? but it's really cool. Okay, crawdad. I'm gonna plug that. 
<laughs> it's, it's specifically a crime. What do you want to plug, Mom? Um, I can't <laughs> plug anything because I have failed in my duties. What? Um, well, I had made. I kind of. I've been thinking this through. So from oh, our Minnie's first, going just absolutely know, berserk. Just, the dog <laughs> has no. There's nobody out there to. I'm gonna plug Mimi. <laughs> yeah, Mimi's great. There's nobody out there to uh, rein her in. Yeah. And so she's super bored, <laughs> and so she's outside barking up a storm. Um, I don't know what she's barking at. Could be anything. Squirrel, air, who knows? <laughs> so here's my plug thing. So yeah. the, the first episode of this season, I said I was going to try really hard to make sure that we talked about people of color. Oh, and we forgot to talk about that in in the... Oh, in Ides of March? Yeah, there weren't. There weren't any. Oh, that was <laughs> Jeffrey one. Wright. No, Jeffrey yeah, Wright, yeah. Um, but not from that aspect. It's like um, more like bringing, trying to bring up characters, or not characters, but actual people that we don't necessarily know about because they're not part of our you know what we're taught it's not part of our it's not they're white yeah (laughs) they're not whiteies they're not white and our whole culture is white yeah you know as white people you're not white people but but we are (laughs) and we haven't talked about that till now (laughs) oh yeah i'm not white (laughs) (laughs) but you know there's we're kind of even the movies that we watch there's just no people of color in there so it doesn't, yeah. you know, so whatever. Hey, I had made a sort go of a to hell commi- George Clooney, by the way. Right. But I had kind of made a commitment for this podcast that in every episode I would talk about some figure, and I did that for some episodes. Yeah. Um, so I failed in my commitment. There's there. still time here. But what I think I, and I, no, well, there, there is and there isn't. I was going to talk about Oscar Michaud, but I didn't have any time to research Oscar Michaud, so I can't. <laughs> sure. I will talk about him in a future episode, but basically he was, you know, in the 20s, mm-hmm. in the, the, at the origin of movies, he was a black filmmaker with his own production company and made a bunch of movies, and we just don't even know about him. We talk about D.W. Griffith. He made movies specifically to counteract D.W. Griffith movies, mm-hmm. um, but they're not part of our lexicon, but D.W. Griffith, I read these books, and there's like these author saying you know the greatest filmmaker of all time and i'm like that guy was a total racist and he's really awful <laughs> and you should not say that yeah. he's not great his message was terrible get you know get away don't from do him. it um oh i have a plug that will help no, this but no wait when you're, when you're, uh, yeah. yeah so i'm gonna try real hard in the future my plugs will be yeah. that that the other part of it was that it was awkward to do it it was mm-hmm. it was kind of awkward for me to be able to bring these these people into Sure. To to bring this in because it's not it's not uh, it's no easy segue right it's not um, organic mm-hmm. so that's what I'm going to use my plugs for in the future. That sounds good. Well, in the meantime, what was your solution? Jordan? I will make a quick plug. I think Michael Jai White is an awesome actor and director and writer. You will, if you don't know his work, you will most likely remember him as he is in The Dark Knight. He is the black gang leader who his henchman has a pencil stuck in his eye by the Joker. (laughs) Uh, But he is the writer and director and star of Black Dynamite which is a comedy movie I love. Comedy movie. Oh, yes. You know, you said Black you, Dynamite, you and I thought Black, <laughs> black Panther. Black, black, black Panther. Lightning. I thought Black, black oh. Panther. We've talked about Black Lightning. I mean, they, they, yes, they because, all share Because I keep DNA trying to here. say Black Lightning, but I always say Black Dynamite instead. <laughs> That's too funny. It's not the same thing. I love Black Dynamite. It's super funny. If you've never seen it, you should. Uh, it is a parody of a black exploitation uh. movie. He is a black martial artist 
slash detective slash mercenary solving crimes in Harlem. Wow. Um, he has just announced he is making a new movie with his production company, and they are uh, doing like a GoFundMe to raise money for it. Uh, it is going to be a Western where he is the star. Uh, it is, I cannot remember what the name of it is, but if you Blazing look up... Blazing Saddles? Basically. <laughs> if you look up Michael J. White, he is raising money for his next movie, uh, which sounds really funny and cool. And I will plug that because I think Black Dynamite is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. You should definitely see it if you've not seen it. He's also, if you go on Netflix, you can look up Michael J. White. He has been in a lot of, he is like a skilled martial artist as well as an actor. So he's in a lot of like direct to video mm. goofy stuff that are kind of fun. Um, but he shows up in a lot of stuff as background characters or kung fu guys. So is it going to be that one guy I recognize but I never knew the name <laughs> yeah. of? Yeah, yeah. You, will, you will probably recognize him. He is memorable in The Dark Knight, but you know, like his character doesn't, doesn't right. get named or, or spoken to, but he has a lot of lines. Got it. Um, but he's good. He's raising money right now. So donate some money to his campaign if you like him. Or see Black Dynamite if you haven't. He's super funny. If you want a contemporary support of uh, comedy mm-hmm. that features persons of color, uh, the new Mindy Kaling sure. um, comedy called Champions. I'm only two episodes in, but it's funny. And it has three, three what? main characters who are persons of color. So check that out if you okay. actually have cable. That's, that's a good endorsement because initially I was like, I know I was very lukewarm. It's got um, what's his name from Mindy Kaling? Um, is is she in it or she's yes. producing? She's oh. in it as well. Um, Anders, Anders Holmes. Holmes, yeah. Oh yeah, from uh, from uh, workaholics. Thank yeah. you. Yes. So yeah, it's it's funny and it's and, got and, three and brother characters. of fellow podcaster. <laughs> uh, um, what's his name, Sean? John Favreau. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's right. I remember seeing his brother, Adam Favreau. I like saw a trailer for that. Andy Favreau. So good. anyway, it's worth it's worth checking out if you want to support funny things that are done go by see, people of color. Go see Wrinkle of Time. Wrinkle oh, yes. of Time Wrinkle with time, Mindy yeah. Kaling. I saw it. And Karen. Oprah. It was good. Yeah. Oprah's I thought it was a fun it? movie for sure. It was uh, a good book. The Drunk History episode great, with Tiffany Haddish is really good. Tiffany Haddish in general is great. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> Got a lot of options. Of course, this podcast will be released months from now where other stuff will be <laughs> you know, on the block. But, yeah. Find but, a way. Yeah, go go watch Black Dynamite. How about that? Hmm? Really fun. And Black Lightning. And Black Lightning. And Black Panther. Anything with the word black in it, go watch it. Well, no. <laughs> maybe uh, not. But, but Try in general, it and let us know. check it out. Black Snake Mode is not something I would recommend. It's a hard right. watch. It's a hard watch. Sean loves it. It's a hard watch. from the audience. I thought it was pretty fun. It was a tough watch. Sure. <laughs> All right. Now we can talk about the cocktail. Hey, what did you make for a cocktail? It was so, really good. Um, you know, the only thing I had to go on was Coca-Cola. Okay. Because I had read a bunch of articles right. about this movie, and mm-hmm. they all said, and at the end there's a Coca-Cola sign, which means this will never stop. Although when we actually watched the movie, it was like, didn't get huh? it at all. There's a Coca-Cola sign? For five seconds at the <laughs> very end. And it's also blinking. I don't know if that's symbolic. Oh. It like flashes on and off. I was like, does that mean it's good one day and not good enough? With all the things in that movie, what, does it what mean? a weird thing to focus I on. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they all focused on it, but hey, you focused on it too. Well, because it was all I had. Yeah, you know, I had a flavor to go on, um, (laughs) and the name of the movie, "A Face in the Crowd." Sure. Um, In the meanwhile, we had gone on a trip to Portland, and we stopped. We stayed. Not me. Not us. No, my husband and I. 
we went to who has been on this show a second episode uh, yeah he was a guest power of the press uh, his name is Lance. It's so long ago. I don't even remember what yeah, he said. It was a long time ago. <laughs> he said anything good? He said that yes. that table that yeah, you shaped is some kind oh, of special. Oh, yeah. He has a name for that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> so um, while we were there, uh, I was watching the bartender because, you know, well, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you're familiar with McMenamin's, and you won't be unless you're from around here mm-hmm. or Oregon where there's a lot of McMenamin's hotels, they take historic buildings and they refurbish them into hotels. Slash bars, slash restaurants. Yes, mm-hmm. with like, they'll have like three, ho- three, it, one of the, their bigger properties will have like a movie theater and three bars and two restaurants and a hotel. If you visit and, the Pacific Northwest, go to one. They're really cool. <laughs> yeah, they're really cool. Uh, a lot of them have a European style bathrooms, so you don't have a bathroom in your, in your hotel room. You have to go down the hall mm-hmm. to a group bathroom. For your shower or whatever. Sure. Um, but, it's like college dorms. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you pay Living for in college. Yeah, or, or in one of the more mm-hmm. modern uh, mm-hmm. hotels. Like, I think the one in Ballard, they actually have bathrooms. The Grand Lodge had, bath- had a bathroom in, in the, the room. room. Yeah. So it, it varies from one to the next. Anyway, we went down to Portland, um, and I was thinking about the drink for this show. In the meanwhile, I knew I wanted it to have Coke. I had decided to... Try to make it sort of cherry Coke. Coca Cola for our Coke. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Coca Cola brand name. Yeah. Um, so uh, I knew I wanted to have Coca Cola. I sort of I had decided to extra cherry up some Sailor Jerry rum. So mm. I added some dried cherries to it and let it soak for a while. I think that's funny because the last time I was here for a recording episode, you gave me a bottle of Sailor Jerry saying, I don't need this anymore. It was that was like a half a bottle from the bottle that I had mixed the yeah. cherries into. I still have a bottle of Sailor Jerry's from you. Yeah, Sailor Jerry's is one of my You're favorites. You're such a cool mom. Yeah, I was like, wait, are you complaining You're about this? You're such a cool yeah. mom. I'm not complaining. I just think it's funny that she had to go buy another one. I think she gave I me the last bottle. also gave him a bottle of whiskey at the yeah, time. Yeah, last time you gave yeah, me a bottle of Yeah, there was a whiskey rye, that I didn't like. Which I like. It's good. That, it's flavored rye or something. No, it's, it's called dark brown mm-hmm. something Sorry, or other. It's really good. I don't like it. <laughs> so anyway, so I cherried up some Sailor Jerry. Um, I knew I needed to use Coca-Cola. I wanted to figure out how to get the poster, like the face from the poster, onto the drink. Um, initially, the I tried drawing it. The poster is a picture of Andy Griffin, like a silhouette it's of Andy Griffith yelling. High well, he's uh, laughing, contrast. I think. Yeah, it's the laugh. It's oh, the laugh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a very particular laugh in the movie. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. <laughs> So, um, yeah. yeah, the poster is like a, is his profile, and it's also extremely high contrast mm. uh, of him laughing, his horrific laugh, which at the beginning <laughs> is kind of likable, and by the end of it, you're like, this is awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to sort of figure out how to get that on there, so I needed to get a, a canvas on the top of the drink mm-hmm. so that I could somehow put a face on top of it. And I, I had tried drawing the face with, like, a cherry maraschino syrup. That didn't work so well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so um, there were experiments. Oh, yeah. There's, oh, she always there are always experiments. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a process. Um, what it. I ended up with was I painstakingly cut out the white parts of the silhouette and then dusted cocoa powder over it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the reason that I mentioned going to going down to the McMenamins was that there was a bartender there and he was making a drink that had like a white froth on top. Okay. Now our previous, the drink previous to this, I think was the, was it the, it would have been all the kings. Was it the mule? Man. Yeah. It was the one I that was sort of a that. combination of a Moscow mule and a 
Ramos Gin Fizz, which is a drink that you has egg whites in it. Ugh. Has egg whites in it. <laughs> <laughs> I touched. I almost tipped over my glass. Okay. Okay. Um, that you shake and shake and shake and shake and shake to make it frothy. Oh, that sounds we had right. a time yeah. it, remember? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was like a three-minute shaking yeah. of this drink. So he was doing that, and he was laying a layering, layering a white canvas Some. on top of yeah. his drink. So I kind of looked up what are the somebody has someone has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a sort of a frothy top to the drink, which is mm-hmm. made of cream and and it has it has Coca Cola and rum in it, but it's also cream and egg whites that you shake and shake and shake, and then you pour it on top, and you've got this white canvas mm-hmm. onto which you can dust with cocoa a stencil shape of that face. When oh I, my lord! When I had first <laughs> turned twenty one, my mom made me a Smith and Wesson. Wow. Which became my favorite drink for a long time because I was a kid and didn't know any better. But I still love it, which was <laughs> is a basically a white Russian with Coca-Cola mm-hmm. in it. Ooh. And it is very good, but it is kind of similar to it's this. It's a similar mm. drink, yeah, because yeah. it's got, it's got uh, rum, it's got Coca-Cola, it's got the cream, a little bit of lime uh, in the body of the drink. Yeah. And then on top of the drink is cream and... If, if there's if you want something delicious it's from a so good bartender, good. it is a easy one to get that is, mm. is always a Smith good. and Wesson. Yeah, Smith and Wesson. <laughs> oh, or Smith this and Kearns, whatever the other one is, which is a black Russian with Coca Cola. Always good. Keeping in the diversity of the of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, we yeah. need to talk about our next watch and I don't know the names of those movies, so I'm gonna I think all, the next episode is all, is all the, the president's all the men. Men. it's not. Definitely <gasps> not. <gasps> Well, let me do, let's go over what we've already watched. Sure. Our episode one, 80 Million Women Want from 1913 and Suffragette from 2015. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we watched The Power of the Press from 1928 versus Spotlight from With 2015. With my dad as the, podca- as the guest. Yep. Then we watched The Silent Command from 1923 with Bella Lugosi versus The East Who with... Was uh, that? Steve. Steve. Mm-hmm. Yep, Steve was here. Then we moved into the 30s, and that was Borderline. Which is line. a double episode, because we got into it real hard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Ended a, up being a really five-surprise. <laughs> Whoops. That was Borderline versus Loving. Then we did mm-hmm. Gabriel Over the White House with Katrina versus Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah. And then we did The Great Dictator with James and yes. the, versus The Dictator, which was a so bad, bad movie. So bad. <laughs> And then we did all Sorry, the King's Sean, Men versus all the King's Men with Sean Penn. Oh, that was what Steve came. That's back where for. Steve, Steve came back. back. Yep. Yep. And uh, so then this episode, a face in the crowd, the Ides of March. Hello. With then, our current <laughs> guest. So the next movie is still in the fifties. It's called The Salt of the Earth. It's a drama film. I'm gonna just read what I wrote here right. as a description. One of the first pictures to advance the feminist, social, and political point of view. Its plot centers on a long and difficult strike based on the 1951 strike against the Empire Zinc Company in Grant County, New Mexico. Then we're going to get into more modern day politics. Yay! (laughs) Not that we shy away from it. No, but I am tired of these old movies. I feel like the salt of the earth is going to give us some fodder for discussion. I mean, this one was good. Thank you for coming. I think we're done. Thank you for having me. Thanks for uh, all the good conversation, the delicious cocktail. Thank you for coming. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.